Happy Wednesday, or should I say, Wonder Years Wednesday. This is Angela Bowen, the host of the original Looking Back at My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast, where I reviewed every episode, six seasons of the original Wonder Years that ran from 1988 to 1993, and I am doing it again with the new Wonder Years, which debuted September 22nd of 2021. I've already reviewed the pilot. If you're listening to this episode, then you've probably already listened to that episode. If not, go back and listen to it, because I am going through all 22 episodes between now and 2022 of the new Wonder Years. So, the episodes I'm going to be focusing on, and yes, I did say episodes, because I am going to... I want to try to get, because I am a bit behind, they've only done, I believe, seven episodes have aired, so I want to kind of double up a little bit, so that way I can get, because they have a Christmas episode coming up in December, and I really want to get to where I am up to where they're at, so that way I'll, I do want to do this weekly, I definitely want to do that, so... The episodes I'm going to be focusing on today, Season 1, Episode 2, entitled Green-Eyed Monster, which aired September 29th, 2021. In this episode, while Dean reckons with his first taste of heartbreak and betrayal, of course, the girl he has a crush on in the very last scene just of the pilot episode, Dean comes upon his best friend Corey kissing Kisa, uh, I have her name written down, Kisa, the girl that Dean has a crush on. Yeah, talk about ripping your heart out and stomping on it. So he's got his first taste of heartbreak and betrayal by his best friend. The adults in his life are overly empathetic and assume his grief is from mourning current events. Of course, in the pilot episode, the family, along with everyone else in America, was reeling from the death of Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination, April 4th, 1968. (laughs) So before I get into the ratings and the trivia, I am going to save the user reviews for the very end of the episode. episode. So eh, this thing does not want to work. Of course, the next episode I will be covering after the Green Monster, after I'm done covering the Green Monster, Green-Eyed Monster, I'll be covering Season 1, Episode 3, The Club, which aired October 6th, 2021. In this episode, when Dean stumbles upon some racy literature and shares it with his friends at school, Bill and Lillian must navigate uncharted territory as parents yeah more like bill's gonna have to deal with this so all right going back to the green-eyed monster the second episode of season one directed by fred savage writers and i know i'm gonna mispronounce his name and i feel horrible saladin k 
Patterson. And Neil Marlins, who also created alongside Carol Black the original Wonder Years. So I love that we are getting the OG writer from the Wonder Years along with Fred Savage, the OG <laughs> main care main main character of the original Wonder Years. All right, do we have any trivia? Dean is right. Ugh. Dang it, IMDb. Stop it. When I click on it, it's like, did you watch this? Rate it. I'm like, I haven't watched it, but stop throwing that in my face. So, trivia. Dean is riding a Schwinn orange crate, a model that just came out in 1968, indicating this one is brand fucking new. Uh, there's also a goof. In pilot, Dean is riding a Schwinn Stingray-style bicycle. Head emblem is not a Schwinn, but in this green-eyed monster, he is riding a Schwinn orange crate, a model that just came out. Okay, well, goof and trivia are the same damn thing. All right, cool. 7.2 out of 10. That is, that's not bad. That's not bad at all. All right, you know what? Just to let you know, if you're a newbie tuning into the podcast for the first time, I am going in order. I'm not jumping around because I've only, I saw the pilot. I reviewed it my second time reviewing it. Going forward with these episodes, you're going to get my honest reaction because I'm going to be watching them for the first time and going through the episode. So if you want to follow along with the podcast, you can follow along on Instagram at LBOM. I got to I might have to change my Instagram handle because I'm not heavily doing a bunch of um, Wonder Years. The Wonder Years Boy Meets World pod. That is a hell of a mouthful. So I, I don't know. I might have to change that because I'm not currently really doing a lot of Boy Meets World. That's kind of another podcast I came up with. Like, yeah, I want to do this. And then it, it gets either forgotten or pushed to the wayside or on the back burner while I do other podcasts. So also the Facebook page for the podcast, looking back on my Wonder Years, I Wonder Years podcast, just type in Wonder Years podcast. It should pop up. And that way, if you like it, you should be able to follow along so you know what episode. My current release schedule is what I want to do is I want to release it on Wednesdays, just like I believe the show airs on Wednesdays, Wonder Years Wednesdays. So stick with that. I want to stick to right now doing the two episodes per episode. So episodes most likely are going to run probably about two hours long because I'm covering two episodes along with some clips here and there. So I'm ready to get into this episode. It really it's getting darker out now. Oh, 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 there's my timer. My duck timer, by the way. That's what I assigned my timer to go off because I got to get the pot pies in the oven for dinner. That's Jeremy's and my dinner tonight is our... And they're, they're not the banquet. Banquet ones are more smaller. They're more like a lunch. Whereas the Marie Calendar ones, they're hefty. They're large sizes. They're more of a dinner. So real quick before I jump into it, I also want to say like some of the things from season one I'm kind of curious to find out from the pilot episode. And going into this next episode, of course, Green-Eyed Monster, we're going to deal with a little bit of friction between Corey and Dean. I know that Dean is going to most likely confront Corey about witnessing him kissing 
Kisa. And I'm kind of curious about that photo that uh, Kim had taken, you know, with her with the black leather jacket and holding the gun and everything, if, if that's ever going to come to light or not. I don't, I don't know. I'm just kind of curious. So, and I really hope that Brad stops saying, oh, they're not prejudiced. I really hope we can get away from, like, can you come up with a different catchphrase? Anything. Wet dream. I mean, fucking hell. So, this is the weekend after April 4th, after Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination. And adult Dean tells us that people from all over the country were attending marches in honor of Martin Luther King Jr. in memory of him. And Dean says how it brought people together from all races because we see a photo of... I don't know if this is, like, people in the present portraying people from the past type of photo thing. As we see a white guy with with glasses and he's holding, excuse me, staying just above a sign that says, and racism. It says, honor king and racism. And he's sitting next to uh, a white lady who may or may not be a wife, significant other, girlfriend, who knows. And then on the other side of him, the white guy with the glasses are two black women, one with a little baby, and it just, it's just representing, you know, people of all races, like, coming together to support what happened. It seems like definitely in times of tragedy, especially one that affects a nation, it's just people come together. And Dean said, adult Dean says, you know, in Montgomery, where his civil rights journey and career began. It was a spe an especially difficult time. So we're sitting with Dean in church, and of course, Kisa is sitting directly across, like across, in a row, the aisle over from him, and he's going on to say, talking about how Dr. King was. Dean says families from our neighborhood gathered together to memorialize this great man. Saying how he was an idol, he was respected, he was eloquent. And then he starts looking at Kisa and then saying how he looked great in a tights and a black dress. And it's like, oh, yeah, teenage 12-year-old Dean's mind is wandering, of course. Like, boy, come on now. And even Joseph's was like, snap out of it. All those hormones, they get you at the worst times. Yeah, it's like he's a... <laughs> thinking, oh, snap out of it. This is not a time to be thinking or looking at girls. It's time to honor a man who was just a noble man who was a hero and a martyr. It's conflicting here because it seems like... <laughs> I didn't even know that Corey was... Even sitting next to Kisa until his head popped up there and he's sitting right next to her. And then Dean is just looking at them, calling Corey a conniving snake in the grass who stole the woman he loved since second grade. I thought it was in first grade when he's sitting in class in the pilot episode and Kisa's behind him and he's wanting to tell her really how much he's loved her since first grade. So, but then again, even with Kevin Arnold in the Wonder Years, it's like a lot of the time, some of the time you're like, wait, this is conflicting. 
or contradicting information because he's saying one thing, but then this doesn't add up because he's saying something completely different or something. So, and Dean is really hoping that the pastor has some words that can actually help him, help Dean. <laughs> and he's just, he, I mean, yeah, that does feel like the ultimate portrayal, especially he, even Brad knew, that, you know, both Corey and Brad knew that Dean liked I would even say obsessed with Kisa. So I I don't know. Where do you draw the line? I mean, if you know your friend likes this person, would you go after that person yourself? It just seems like it's breaking. I guess if you would call it, what, the bro code or the girl code. Like, you never go after the person that your friend likes or is in love with or is crushing on it's just you don't do that and this is 1968 so i don't think the bro code or girl code had been invented yet but the pastor does have good some information like don't give in to revenge and don't give in to anger and it's almost like he's not just speaking to dean but he's speaking to everyone there's like i know you're angry i know you want to lash out at the world and everything but don't because in a way, no, I don't think that Dr. King would want people using his memory as an excuse to kind of undo what he's worked for with the civil rights. It's like, don't use my name and go out there in anger and start bashing in things and just fighting with each other and saying you're doing it because of me. Like, don't, don't do that. I mean, that's what I'm thinking that this pastor is saying by saying, don't give in to your anger. Don't give in to revenge. Because a lot of people, they're pissed off, they're angry, and they have every fucking right to be. But it's like, it's so easy to slip into that mode of reaction, like, I don't want to liken it really to like, oh, you know, when you like hurt your hand, like, yes, there's pain. But there's also, with me, sometimes like I, if I like hit my hand on something, even accidentally, there's anger there. Like, oh, I want to punch that thing. Oh, it hurt me. Ugh, you know, like, <laughs> uh, but, and, and I know that's kind of stupid trying to relate that to that. But it's just, it's so easy to go down that road, that path of anger. And it's another to take that anger and try to use it for something positive, something good. Like, you have all the energy inside you, that anger. Just put it towards something that could lead to something positive. He even brings up Dr. King's words and says, Forgive those that inflict evil and injury upon us. And that, that message, that, that is a hard, sometimes a hard pill to swallow. Because, you know, and even, you could even put that towards, like, love thy neighbor as you would your, your brother or your, you know, however and stuff like that. It's hard. It really is, I think, very hard to forgive someone when they've done you wrong and everything. I think it is very hard, especially when, you know, especially if someone, like, injury, like, they tried to physically hurt you. 
So Corey's like, ugh, well, hey, at least they're not, like, rubbing it in my face and being all lovey-dovey and holding hands. And then the reverend, <laughs> the pastor says, now everyone, take your neighbor's hand next to the, the person's hand sitting next to you and hold her hand. And I'm just like, oh boy, here we go. Did he really do that in church? Because as soon as Kisa took Corey's hand, Dean's like, why, God, why? And every head is turned in his direction, including Kisa and Corey's. They're like, what? This isn't normally like Dean. At least I don't think it is. At least what we got from the pilot episode. He seems sometimes kind of like a quiet little mouse, but he's slowly kind of coming into, you know, standing up to his dad and he, stuff like that and speaking out more and just like, I get that you want to do this scene, but being in the middle of church when we're remembering Dr. King and, you know, the lessons he's taught us and going forth and, you know, continuing those lessons in the world and you're having an outburst. Yeah. So Lillian turns around and kind of explains like he's a little sensitive right now. Like, just like, you know, because of everything, you know, that, that's happened and everything. This is how he's expressing his feelings. And <laughs> Dean says, while Corey gets to hold Kisa's soft, supple hand. She's wearing a glove, by the way. Come on. He's like, I had to hold the hand of the guy next to me. It looked like he was at Lincoln's Memorial. Good grief, Dean. Dean is just, like, giving him word, himself words of encouragement. Just be strong. Be over soon. And now they're going to sing, as a, the pastor says, the Negro National Anthem. Okay, okay. He stands, as Dean stands up, he's like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. And then adult Dean says, why did songs about oppression have to be so long? <laughs> well, how long is the song? Jeez, Dean. While Corey got to caress Kisa's soft, supple hand, <laughs> I was stuck next. 
Pinta Memorial. Be strong. It'll be over soon. Let us all rise. Sing the Negro National Anthem. You gotta be kidding me. Uh, why did songs about oppression have to be so long? So it's after church, back of the house. Dean is sitting on the floor, still in his church clothes, according to his father, when he comes in seeing Dean sitting on the floor in the living room reading another, I think it's another Avengers comic. And his father asks him, like, hey, shouldn't you be hanging out with Corey right about now? In your everyday, your everyday clothes? And, you know, Bill asks, like, you know, your little outburst in church. Um, and he starts to go on. But then Lillian catches Kim. Like, where are you think? Where do you think you're going? And Kim says, out. And Lillian says, we just went out to church. And Kim says, well, sitting in a church singing Kumbaya isn't going to do anything. This will. And she's referring to, well, Lillian calls it a riot. But it's a rally. So it's like, I, I honestly don't know as far as the, the, the rallies and stuff afterwards. I mean, I understand, you know, definitely her parents are concerned for her safety. But kind of like Karen, they're both doers as far as they wanted to do good in the world. And they thought, you know, going to, like rallies and and what like sit-ins and stuff like that for for causes like we got to do so or, or even getting signatures and stuff like that sitting here together just singing isn't going isn't going to help me she wants to do she wants to create action like doing stuff going out and doing stuff and just our voices being heard and everything yeah, that's what she what she's about. So you're definitely an activist. So and Lillian tells Kim like, yeah, that's how riots start as rallies. And then apparently, because we don't see, we're just hearing this in the background because we're still in the living room with Dean as the telephone's ringing. And Lillian's like, I know you are not just walking away from me as I'm talking to you. Like, yeah, she's very Kim's very defiant. Yep. Like any any teenager would, that is really passionate about something, and doesn't want to get opposition from anybody. Oh, Karen is all a uh, Karen. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry about the <laughs> uh, comparisons between the old Wonder Years and the new Wonder Years. But apparently that was someone on the phone. I'm guessing is it for Kim? But Kim's talking about control. Like you're so controlling. Oh my gosh. So they're asking Kim, like, who's all going to be at this rally? And she starts listing names, and she has Kiwami X. Which, I'm like, is that kind of a reference to, uh, like, um, like Malcolm X? I'm, definitely tell me if I'm wrong there. And, of course, Bill is like, what kind of name is that? His name is Albert. So this guy well, changes his name. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, they definitely, according to Dean, and I can understand, yeah, they feel that Kim's boyfriend is a bad influence on her. And Lillian says, no, we're get, it's dinner time, we're going to be eating dinner together. And just like with what's going on right now, it's important for us to be together and sit down together and eat meals and just, yeah. 
And Kim is like, oh, appetite. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Dean says, you know, we should have been happy that someone actually liked Kim back. So he gets on the phone to Kwame and says, you might want to call back, like maybe uh, next year. <laughs> like, it's not a good time. Like, my parents don't like you, basically. <laughs> he didn't tell them that, but. Okay, well, with the second episode, we actually get some credits here. We get a little intro. That's pretty awesome. Oh, it's a tiny intro with Polaroid pictures and a nice little song. That's the thing. They really, honestly, over the years have done away with, um, with theme songs. Theme songs used to be so, so catchy. uh, I could just say, like, um, Grind Paints was a good one. Um, actually, now that I think about it, there are catchphrases, uh, catchphrases. There are theme songs that have, like, no lyrics, like Seinfeld, Home Improvement. Uh, what were some other ones? Bobby's World is another one that just has music to it. There are no lyrics. Everwood's another one that has... It's just completely instrumental. There are no lyrics whatsoever. Okay, so Dean is actually excited to finally be back in school with everything going on. With the problem, you know, with Kim at home. And then you have everything else going on in the world. And then, of course, the bombshell of Kisa and Corey. Dean just wants to get lost in the monotony of a or just a regular back-to-school Monday distraction. So we do get a different teacher here, and it looks like... So this is English class, then? Because he's talking about it was a quiz on metaphors, and he got a C, and he's complaining. Adult Dean's like, my GPA was being assassinated! It's like, okay, calm down. It's just a quiz. It's not... cut to Dean at home like crying like I don't think he was crying over a quiz. He was crying about Kisa and Corey. And apparently the teacher wants to talk to him. It's just a quiz! Unless he normally gets A's and a C is like the worst thing you could ever get apparently. Oh my gosh is he gonna milk this situation by saying oh it's because of the assassination with Martin Luther King that I'm really upset and I just can't focus. Don't use that as an excuse. Please do not. Wow I thought normally teachers have to speak to you like once class is over not like in the beginning of class. So and I like that she actually because when he comes up, she's like, it's not like you to get a C of something going on. And then she really, like, oh, it's because of the assassination. You know, I, I'm sorry, I shouldn't even have expected you to study with everything going on. So it, it just seems like he's going to take this situation and just kind of use it to his advantage. Like, yeah, I know I'm really upset about this and I'll do better next time kind of attitude. So yeah, I just, I don't understand why this can't wait till the end of class. She has Dean come up there. She says, she clearly is following his work. And she does add concern. Like, it's not like you to get a C. And then she thinks on, you know, the current events with the death of Martin Luther King Jr. She says, I shouldn't even have, you know, 
expected, not, not so much expected you to study, but just, oh, okay, so after she says, you know, it's not like you to get a C, do you have an explanation? And Jean, Dean just lets out this heavy, long sigh. And then she says, I think it's unfair to expect you to study. And then she says something like, okay, hold up. But the, again, it's 1968. She says, this must be a very difficult time for your people. I'm so, I mean, if this were Willis in Different Strokes and this was 1978, he would have lashed out at her. What do you mean by your people? You Oh, you know Willis from Different Strokes would have jumped on that. Yeah, she says this must be such a difficult time for your people. She's going to change his grade. She's like, let's just go ahead and make this an A. Ma'am, no. He deserved that C. And it just feels like Dean is going to use this to his advantage, which I don't think that's right at all. Adult Dean comes in with, wait, what's this now? And, you know, Dean says, oh, you mean because of the death of Dr. King? She says to Dean, you must feel so lost. And adult Dean comes in with saying, oh, you know, I know that it was just bad to use this as an excuse. Yeah, he says, now I knew that taking advantage of the tragic death of Dr. King or, or Martin Luther King was just inappropriate. Like, he, he knew that. He knew that. Like, adult Dean knows it looking back on it, and young Dean there in that moment knows. Like, this isn't right. And adult Dean, yeah, he even refers to Martin Luther King as a great civil rights activist of all time. Civil rights icon is what he actually says. But Dean's like, I know that was inappropriate, but I just got my heart broken for the first time. I mean, give me a break. I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't get to use that as an excuse. And Dean says, so lost, but this helps. And the teacher says, does this help too? And she pulls him in for a hug. And I'm just like, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> the night I saw my former friends, Corey and Kisa, kiss. Dean, can I speak to you? <laughs> it's not like you to get a C. Do you have an explanation? Maybe it was unfair of me to expect you to study. Are we taking a break? 
This is a class that I see. It doesn't look like Dean is in class with Corey or Kisa at all. Or even Brad, for that matter. So It's interesting, yeah, to kind of see him when he's not in a classroom with his friends. Because that's the thing, in junior high... You're being split up into, what, how many different classes in a day? At least six or seven different classes? So odds are the <laughs> of you having a class with your friend is you might get one. You may even get a, lucky enough to get a lunch hour. But especially if it's like an elementary school, you pretty much spend, you know, grades one through five or so with the same kids. I mean, I did. I mean, maybe sometimes when you get it, be, well, the thing is with me though, it's like for, I think kindergarten, first grade, I had the same teacher. And then for second and third grade, I had the same teacher with the same kids also. And then fourth and fifth grade, I had the same teacher. And then once I got to sixth grade, though, each individual year, I did have a different teacher. I mean, I still saw my other teachers, but I didn't have, you know, a class with them. Okay, now we're in PE, and of course it's the rope trial. So the gym teacher is like, all right, all the way to the top, go. I, I cannot remember if I had actually, I swear maybe once in junior high, maybe. There might have been a rope thing there, but I just, I cannot remember for the, you know what? I probably would rather try the rope thing over those darn pull-ups or chin-ups, whatever you want to call them. They're virtually the same thing, it seems like. Uh, I just, I didn't like the way the metal felt in my hands. Just, ugh. And Dean looks up and he says, I don't think I can, you know, ever since the death of you know, Dr. King or Martin Luther King Jr. just, he's milking this and this is bullshit. But then, I mean, honestly, how many of us out there have probably used an, you know, an excuse of some kind to using it to our advantage to get out of stuff? I it's one thing for a teacher to kind of help you out once and stuff, but if you're going to take that and run with it and milk it for all it's worth, it's like, come, come the fuck on. Come the fuck on. But then you're probably telling me, yeah, but you did it too at least once, I'm sure. I'm like, well, I guess I, you got me there, everybody. I probably did. Yeah, he says, I don't think I can. Not since Martin Luther King never made it to the mountaintop. And the PE teacher just says, all right, that's all right, son. That's all right. Dean. He probably could pull this off one day. But after that, I think teachers are going to like, you cannot use that as a reason not to be putting in effort. I mean, this is clearly what the Monday afterward. After everything happened. So... I mean, I guess if you want to call them there, being sympathetic to a point, but it's just, I don't like the whole, the teacher, and like, this must be so difficult for your people. You know, fucking, ugh. Oh, oh, the PE teacher says, it's all right, son, I'll give you a pass to see the guidance counselor. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, yeah, it's not only that he doesn't have to do the activity, the climbing the rope thing, but it's like, well, I'll, clearly you're troubled. Let me send you, you know, give you a pass to the guidance counselor and you can talk to them about what's going on. So, 
Dean's in the office. The guidance counselor comes out and says, your PE teacher said you might like to talk. And Dean is sitting there on that couch thing. And I'm guessing it's like a waiting room area. And Dean's like, nah, I'm good. You might want to freshen these, though. He's holding up a large-ass glass jar of, what, M&Ms? Because we know Reese's Pieces weren't out then. At least I don't think they were. And Dean comes rolling in, and he's like, any guilt about what I had been doing immediately disappeared as soon as I got home. How much you want to bet that his parents got a call from the school saying, oh, we're sorry, your son just seems really, really distracted, and I understand with, but it's just, I, I honestly feel they're going to find out about it. They are going to find out, like, that he's using it, uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s death as an excuse to have it like a, fr a free day, basically. Or it's just like, oh, that's the reason why you didn't do so well on your quiz. Well, wait, wait a second. I just thought of something. When did he take that fucking quiz? Was it after? Because you can't take the quiz before that happened and then say, oh, it's because of Nice. No, 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 no. But he must have had that recently. That I don't. I thought that was was just after the weekend after it happened. Has it been over a week? I just the timing. I'm just kind of curious because it seemed like in the beginning of the episode he was talking about over the weekend, and then Sunday, you know, they're all sitting in church and everything, and then Monday is the week back after everything that happened. And Adulting says, hey, I was dealing with grief in my own way. So was my sister, who was wearing sunglasses inside. But then again, again, comparing the Wonder Years, Karen did that too. <laughs> it's not about the sunlight. It's about the style. It's about the look. I could never do a stove that is actually, like, built into the wall. Because I'd have to get a fucking step stool because I'm five foot two. How would I feel having to be on a step stool and putting something in an oven that's like at chest level? Just no. I actually was, you know, just looking at houses and stuff and there was a house that had an oven that was built into a fucking wall. And I'm like, fuck no. No. You know how embarrassing that would be? It's embarrassing enough if I gotta get a stool to get something out of a a tall, you know, a, a, a high cupboard, which rarely I have to do that. Jeremy just like, hey, let's put these up here. I think it'll be fun to watch you try to get them. Me on my tippy toes. <laughs> so Lillian forbids Kim from going anywhere, from going out of the house. Like, we're all gonna eat together. We're going to eat dinner as a family. And and Dean says his mom's way, uh, her five stages of grief were dealt in bacon grease. I love bacon. Oh, bacon is the best. Oh, oops. Especially maple bacon. Jeremy's not really that big. Well, he said it depends on what he, you know, what it's used for. Usually I'll use, like, for making pancakes or waffles or, uh, especially cheesy fries or 
you know, bacon, cheese stuffed burgers. I'm sure even though it's 1.14 in the afternoon right now, <laughs> I'm sure I'm making y'all hungry. I'm sure you're like, I gotta go get a burger. I want some pancakes and waffles. I'll go to IHOP. <laughs> or where's the nearest place that sells cheesy fries? This kitchen table looks like it's set up for Thanksgiving. There's a chicken, and apparently the oven just dinged, and there's another chicken. And they just, they got bowls full of, like, what, green bean casserole. I love green bean casserole. Of course, the green beans. To me, they got to be the French-style cut green beans, not the rounded ones. I don't know why. I'm just not a fan of the rounded green beans. There's mashed potatoes. There's corn. There's rolls. There's every amount of table, space on that table is being occupied by a serving dish or a plate or a platter. There's like no room for plates, I don't think. Oh no, there's room for plates. Okay, so Bill says, hey, look, and the kids, their their jaws are like on the floor, like, Ugh! and he looks and like, be cool. Just be cool. Okay, this is how mom deals with grief. Just, just let her do her thing. Hey, looks like the next day and Dean is now in class with Corey. How in the f Okay, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that Dean is going to give Corey the silent treatment. I honestly think, and I think he's going to do that to Kisa also. Oh, he's sitting across from Brad. Does he normally sit across from Corey? I thought so. I'm like, what is it? Are you allowed to move seats? Don't you normally have assigned seats? I don't. Maybe back then you did. I don't know. I don't remember a lot of assigned seats in school, in junior high. Although in eighth grade, I was, because I think we, like, changed, like, seat assignments, like, once a month or something. Or maybe every two weeks. I don't know. But um, I actually got to sit next to my crush, who I'd had a crush on. All the seventh grade, I tried to give him a note at the a very last day of seventh grade. He didn't take it. And <laughs> I sat next to him and signed. We actually, we actually had a fucking class together. So I sit next to him and then I found out this guy is just a fucking jerk. He's just a fucking jerk. <laughs> I spent a year liking you because I thought you were a nice, quiet guy. No. I remember if if you've been listening for for the last like four years or so now to my podcast, you've probably heard me say I like the quiet, the nice quiet guys, the nice quiet ones, the ones that don't turn out to be jerks later on, <laughs> those ones. So Brad's like, hey, want to ride bikes later? And Dean says, sure. And then Corey turns like, hey, can I come? And the way Dean is like. <laughs> No, like Mr. Snooty nose in the air, like no. And of course we hear Dean's inner monologue saying, "I didn't ride bikes with traitors." Corey has definitely picked up on a lack of Dean because he's like, "Hey, where were you this morning? I'm waiting at the bus stop." And Dean's like, well, "I don't know where I was." And Corey's like, "Why are you acting so weird? Like, what's going on with you?" And I'm sure Dean's pointing out, like, "There's nothing wrong with me." So, in Dean's head, he's like, I'm not going to tell him that I saw him and Kisa kissing. That I, you know. He's like, no. So, he says he's going to be, what do you say, a litigator? He's going to, oh, he's going to deflect by saying, 
You're acting weird. Good comeback, Dean. Good. Okay, he did say litigation skills. He's like, dang. Because Corey throws back, no, you're weird. You're acting weird. What are they going to do? No, you are. No, you. No, it's you. <laughs> like, what are we, six? Because <laughs> Kisa turns around and says, shh, both of you. And if Dean throws out, well, you would take his side. I'm like, oh, no, you didn't. Oh, oh, my God. Did you crush? Did you crush? Yes, you kissed your best friend. Still. Dude, you're going to end up with two people that aren't going to be talking to you, Dean, if you keep this up. You're going to lose your best friend and the girl you got to crush on. Whether he still is crushing on Kisa. I don't know. I don't know. Because she's looking back and I'm like, what are you talking about? Dean, this... <laughs> he picks the most inopportune times to start up thing. Like, getting in a fight and an argument. It's like, dude, wait till after school. Seriously. Like, you're making a show of yourself. You're making a scene. How are, you need to take your dad's advice and be cool. Just be cool. Be cool. Don't show that you're agitated. You do that. It's just, that's not going to look good for you, Dean. <laughs> She's going to think you have an attitude problem. Like, I don't want to hang out with him. He's got an attitude problem. We all know the raging bull that was Kevin Arnold. How often he would fly off the handle. Well, maybe I'm not like you, Paul. If I want to talk to Winnie Cooper, I'll talk to Winnie Cooper. How many fucking times did that kid blow his top over the course of six seasons? Ugh. Is this the same teacher? Oh, it's the same teacher from the pilot episode. She just said you kids were good examples. No, look at y'all screaming. It's like, Dean, Kisa, Corey. She asked to see the three of them up front. I can understand. Yeah. I'm like, why always in the middle of class? This can't wait till after? All she had to do was, you you, you three need to calm down. You, you three need to quiet down right now. And also, please see me after class. Why is it always in the beginning of class, in the middle of class? It's... I mean, kids are doing the work. I get what's on the board. I'm kind of curious. What's on the board? It's a question that says, who are the first European people to land in North Carolina? My answer, I have no fucking clue. I do not know. So, yes. Okay, this is Mrs. Hodges. She teaches history. I forgot what the lady's name who taught English. She took a test on metaphors. Talking during class is a demerit. A demer they have a demerit system? I've never heard. I'm, well, I go to public school. They go to public school. They had demerits in 68. Wow. Dean, seriously, you're doing that in front of your friends. I'm sorry, Mrs. Hodges. It's just after the death of Dr. King. I swear, if Corey and Kisa don't jump on his ass about that, like, what the hell are you doing? Dean, what are you doing? Seriously? I hope they fucking say something to him. Like, what the, what the fuck? What the fuck, Dean? 
I was not expecting that. I thought they were going to say something. No. Actually, Miss Hodges is like, oh, Dean, I do I do understand that. And then Corey's like, yes, it's it's upset us all. Because he puts a hand on Dean's shoulder and probably one on Kisa's. Is Kisa going to add anything or is she just going to roll her eyes and like, these boys, can't believe them. They're using Dr. King's death as an excuse for their being. And Dean was like, it's bad enough he was hijacking my girl. Now he's got to hijack my white liberal guilt card. And Miss Miss H- Mrs. Hodges says, I'm sure it's hit you both equally hard. And I'm sure you too, Kisa. In fact, I may have a solution for you. Mm, interesting. Turn punishment into a lesson. Dr. F- Mr. Feeney. Why did I say Dr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney. Pre-Feeney. Oh my. Pre-Feeney. This, wow. Yes. That, wow. Yeah, she says, why don't you all, the three of you, give a presentation to the class on Dr. King's importance. Turn it into a punishment, into a lesson. There you, wow. That is, that is Dr. Stop it! Why am I saying that doctor? Uh, that is a Mr. Feeney Boy Meets World lesson. But I think that, yes, they do, the three of them, they need to come together. Dean needs to work out his issues with, with Corey. It's like, yes, you saw them kiss. Yes, they most likely probably could be in a relationship. We don't know. It was just a kiss. Even though he was sitting next to her <coughs> in church. But it's like, you either got to accept it and roll with it, or you're going to be out, you're going to be minus two friends. I know it's like, you you don't have to necessarily be happy, but you're, you're walking a fine line, Dean. You're walking a fine line of losing two good friends over your jealousy. And I know it's like, honestly, this goes to show you in the future, then if you, if you got a hunch on something, if you want to be in someone's life and you you want to be you want them to know that you like them don't wait don't wait you act on that hunch and see where it gets you so mrs hodges says you know help us feel your pain and dean starts immediately like oh is it okay if i do it this on my own i mean i just my pain is just so personal it's like Ah, and like, I can see her saying, well, no, I I want the three of you to work together. She says, of course, Dean. I'm like, okay. And in his head says, nothing can hurt worse than working with the two of them. Dude, you're going to have to do, eventually, sooner or later, you can't avoid them for the rest of your life. Thank you. 
said about Dr. King? Dear, I do understand. <laughs> this was getting too easy. It hit us all pretty hard. It wasn't enough that he hijacked my girl. Now he was hijacking my white liberal guilt card? I'm sure it hit you both equally hard. And you as well, Lisa. <laughs> In fact, I think I might have a solution. Why don't you all give a presentation to the class about Dr. King's importance? Help us feel your pain. Is it okay if I do my own? This Dr. King's death was so personal. Of course, Dean. Nothing could hurt worse than working with them. So Dean <laughs> looks into the future in his mind of Corey and Kisa on a couch together. He's wearing a smoking jacket. She's wearing a nice cardigan with a set of pearls and they're saying how oh good thing Dean worked on its own project because you know us working together is what brought us together today he's like yeah if we hadn't worked on that project just the two of us I wouldn't have proposed <laughs> oh god and it you see the camera pulls back you see the floor of their their house and <laughs> there's like six children on the floor Aww. Of course, you know that Brad doesn't want to be left out because he holds, raises it. I'm sad about Dr. King's death, too. Like, include me. I love Mrs. Hodges. She's like, nice try, Brad. I was wrong. This hurts so much more. Uh, I'm sad about Mr. King's death, too. Nice try, Brad. You already got out of eight days of homework last Hanukkah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, kid. He got out of eight days of homework for Hanukkah. <laughs> so, Dean comes home, throws his bike at the edge of the garage, which easily looks like his dad could run his bike over with his car going down the driveway. And when, bike th <laughs> when Dean throws his bike down... His dad's like, oh, you're still upset, huh? And Dean, it's like he's just forgive. Like, huh? And his, and Bill says, you know, because of how you acted at church. When you were upset at church. And now it's just so natural. Like, oh yeah, uh, Dr. King's death. I'm, I'm still really sad about that. I'll uh, see you at dinner. Someone... T <laughs> Say something to him, please. So Bill says, hey, hold up. You, um, and he looks uncomfortable. He's like, uh, do you want to talk about anything? And Dean's like, no. So Bill's like, hey, hop in. Like, let's go for a drive. Let's go for a drive somewhere. Oh, they're going to go fishing. Okay. And Dean says, normally his dad goes fishing solo. So, all right. So Bill's fishing trips are so important that Lillian covered up being in labor, labor just so she wouldn't interrupt Bill's fishing time. So Tina was pretty much like, I gotta go. I can't back out of this. So Dean asks his dad, like, you like fishing, huh? And Bill says, love it. And Dean asks, but you don't like to eat fish. And Bill says, yeah, hate it. And then he's talking about all the fish that are underneath the water and how they really don't know what's going on above the surface. They don't even care. 
Like they're just going about their their days, their lives, just unaware of that in any moment they can get um, snagged on a fish hook and yanked out of. It sounds like he's trying to build to um, relate this to what's going on. And Bill continues saying how the fish is, you know, their life is simple. They don't got to worry about why bad things happen to good people or why there's so much hate in the world. And he says, and why for some people life may never be fair. And Bill says, nope, they have no idea. Maybe that's why I like to fish. An adult Dean comes in and says, you know, that's when it hit me. My dad was wrestling with the same concerns that I was acting like I was so concerned about. And Dean is like seeing, because, you know, Bill says, all right, it's getting late. We should probably be heading back. They're just sitting in chairs, just kind of fishing off the bank there. And Dean is thinking, you know, this is my, my chance to tell him what's really actually bothering me. And he says, because I know it would put his mind at ease. But Dean thinks, you know, it was just, yeah, he was too embarrassed to confess his silly troubles compared to, you know, his, his dad's real troubles and thoughts. So, all of a sudden, Dean gets a bite. He, he hooks a fish. And I like here how he says, you know, at that moment, my dad wasn't just a black man in 1968 or a, a father worried about his kids. He was just a man who loved to fish. And that's when Dean realizes... And, and Dean says, and that's when I realized I understood everything he didn't know how to say. And then Dean has a brilliant inspiration. Oh boy, he's going to let the fish go, right? <laughs> okay, so this was Dean's inspiration that took him to writing all night. And Take it slow. In that moment, 
My dad wasn't a black man in Alabama in 1968 or a father worried about his kids. He was just a man fishing. That's when I understood everything he didn't know how to say. I had a brilliant spark of inspiration that fueled me to write all night. So I like <coughs> what Dean has done here. I, I think it is very well researched. He took the class through Dr. King's early days of how he he came up with the you know through the civil rights movement and everything if, and how he really had to kind of climb that that ladder and from his early days and everything uh, when he say in, in Boston and helping out with the so seminary days in Boston to helping with the poor people's campaign so he kind of uses his dad in fishing as an analogy to to kind of sum up, summarize with, you know, Dr. King. And he's saying how Dr. King is like the fish that my dad caught. My dad is like black people. Like, we don't eat the fish. We appreciate what the fish taught us. And try to live our life. Yeah, because as his dad was saying about how the fish just down there, they're just, they don't care. They're just living their lives regardless of, what they don't know is out there that could come in and at any second like they they don't they don't care about that they just they live their life uninterrupted just going about their day-to-day -day lives and dean says you know we try to live our lives the way that he did and the whole class you know they they applaud for him he, and even the teacher says very good dean so i'm excited to see what Kisa and Corey come up with. I like how an adult Dean looking back on this says, yes, it was my, you know, speech and presentation was a little ham-fisted and forced, but to a 12-year-old, it was brilliant. So Dean kind of relishes in the fact that Kisa and Corey are, you know, they're reading from note cards. They're talking about how Dr. King had went to India and met Gandhi and used you know, Gandhi's non-violence approach and brought that back with him and kind of, you know, used that in the, um, with the, with the civil rights, civil rights and stuff. And Dean is just sitting back and it's, you know, arms folded, just grinning ear to ear, seeing how Kisa and Corey were bombing because they are kind of, you know, they're reading directly from the notes. It's a one little, not even a three by five card note, but they're kind of stumbling over the words. It seems like they just were, spent a good time just trying to memorize what they're doing. It doesn't feel like they're, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Dean spoke from the heart and, and maybe like Kisa and Corey just, they don't, you know, it's uncomfortable to get up in front of people and, and stand up and talk in front of people. You know, whether you're 12 or whether you're 39 or 67 or something, you know, it's just, it's, it's difficult. It's scary. But why do I, I, I honestly kind of want to, because I said, you know, these episodes going forward, I'm watching them firsthand. You're getting my reactions. So I'm really wondering if maybe they're going to like come up like really wow everyone at the last minute and kind of wipe that sh that 
that grin off Dean's face, just, like, pulse, like, but then again, what is that? Sour joy, like, sour grapes or something? Schadenfreude? Is that it? Sour grapes? Like, relishing in someone else's, you know, misfortune or, or something like that? Dean says how the world was starting to make sense again. Yeah, and the teacher awards them A's, and the kids clap, everyone except Dean claps. And the teacher awards all three of them A's. And then all of a sudden, adult Dean's like, wait, what? What? Excuse me? If he makes a scene about the fact, like, what? I really put a lot of work and detail into my... Because he's got, like, you know, storyboards and po or poster boards and just diet or, you know, stuff like that. He really, like, put a lot of time, pictures, and you know, poster boards, stuff like that, really, really detailed and stuff, and then you got Kisa and Corey just, you know, mumbling through, you know, note-carded facts, but, I mean, they, I don't know, I thought they did okay. I mean, yes, Dean did put a lot of work and detail into his project and stuff like that. I wonder, honestly, if he had worked with them, if they could, and they collaborated together, if they could have come up with something even more great. I just got a flashback to Our Miss White, the season two episode, where I thought, I'm trying to remember, did Kevin play... JFK, right? And then, because she said she, uh, Miss White said she had wrote a play about, I thought it was John, JFK and Martin Luther King Jr. It's, it's been so long ago since I, I watched that episode, but I remember when I reviewed that, if you go back and listen to it on SoundCloud, yeah, I cry at the end of that episode. I, I really, I get worked up. And the bell rings. Like, okay, easy. It's to Kisa and Corey. Like, that was a that was an easy A. That was an easy A. They mumbled their way through some three by five cards. Simple, simple. Quote a few facts, and they were done. Go over to Dean, and Corey is just 
he's excited. Like, hey, how great is this, right? Ace all around. Give me a slap. <laughs> and yeah, he puts out his hand for Dean to slap, and Dean is like, what is this about? And, and Dean is all like, I deserved a night. You didn't. Stop taking everything from me. So definitely, it's just personally against. It's not so much against Kisa. It's against Corey. Because Corey knew that Dean liked Kisa, and he went and kissed her anyway. And Corey's confused. Like, what are you talking about? And even Kisa says, "This was your idea." And Corey says, exactly. And Corey says, and because of you. But Dean cuts him off and says, I saw you two kissing. And Corey's a little shocked. He's like, y you saw us? And Dean says, everything. And Kisa doesn't really, it's like really none of Dean's business. Like, so you saw us. So you saw us kiss. Like, we weren't doing anything wrong. And of course... Adult Dean is kind of telling, like, reminding Dean, like, Dean, I'll be careful now. Kisa still doesn't know that you like her. But you thought for a second he was going to let the cat out of the bag. But then Dean throws out, well, friends shouldn't kiss each other. <laughs> yeah, Dean says it's wrong because friends shouldn't kiss each other. And Kisa comes at him with, like, well, we'll do what we want to do. Right, Corey? And, and, and Corey is just standing there just, like, at a loss for words. It's like, this is his best friend. He moved in on a girl that Dean had a crush on. It's like, it's almost like, it's like, do I go with my girlfriend or the girl that I kiss or do I stand with my friend? Because, yeah, Corey's like, uh. And Dean thinks, I had heard enough. His silence spoke volumes. I think it's Dean that says, you know, I don't want to be friends with either of you. And Kisa's like, fine with me. Yeah, he says, I had to strike first. So he says, fine, I don't care. I don't want to be friends with you guys anymore. And I like how Corey's like, yeah, but we still have three more classes together and then baseball practice. And Dean just yells right in Corey's face, I said, fine. I said, good day. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. It's just, I, I, I like Corey and I like Kisa. And I just, and I mean, I like Dean too, but I just feel that, I mean, they're teenagers, their hormones are just, you know, all over the place, especially Dean's. And he's just, he's letting, letting his anger control what's coming out of his mouth. That I knew it's like, so you would rather be alone minus your best friend and a girl that could be your friend or maybe one day to be more but now you're making that decision for both of them that you just want to completely cut them out of your life completely
I don't want to see you ever again. How old? We still have three more classes together. Near baseball practice. I said fine. How old, kid? This kid, somebody's gonna trip over his bike instead of like laying it in the drive. He throws it down, so it's still on the sidewalk, but the top part of his bike is on his front lawn. So he does that, throws the bike down. I'm like, someone's gonna walk and trip over your bike. I'm just thinking, like, don't don't put it on the sidewalk. So. His mom, dad, and Kim come out, and Lillian's like, oh, poor thing. He worked all night on that Dr. King presentation. It must still be eating them, eating him up inside. So, of course, Bill's like, hey, I'll go get the fishing poles. But Kim steps up, steps up and says, you know what, why don't you let me handle this one? And Bill looks at her like, He's crying enough as it is. You're like, you're going to make it worse. But no, I like, she's going to, you know, do the big sister thing and kind of find out what actually is really going on with him. <laughs> she's like, I'll be nice. And I love how she's kind of eyeing her dad and mom. Like, just trust, like, trust me, trust me. I'll be nice. <laughs> I noticed that Kim is wearing a Black Panther party t-shirt okay so then maybe that's what the photograph was all right okay so i'm interested to see how we're going to explore that going forward in season one so even dean can't believe that kim's being nice to him she's like hey want to go get some ice cream and he's like yeah i can go for rocky road and she's like i'm not actually taking you for ice cream i just said that so mom and dad will you know let us get out of the house and Kim tells Dean, you know, mom and dad may not know how to help you deal with Dr. King's death, but I do. Okay, so she, okay, so we do, she does take Dean to the Black Panther organization. Shows him what she's, you know, working on and, you know, how action is power, like we need to do something now. So Dean asks Kim, like, why are we here? What are we doing here? And Kim tells him, well, I wanted to show you that some brothers and sisters are actually doing something to help honor Dr. King. So I love how Dean's like, hey, I got, do we need money? I got 50 cents in my sock. And Kim just rolls her eyes. So, of course, they mention about going to, like, a market area to do some, you know, rallying, I guess. And I don't know whether this is a new guy that Kim is seeing, because when he comes over, she kisses him. And then the guy looks at Dean, and is like, should he be here? Like, almost like, can we trust this kid? <laughs> and Kim says, hey, he's a lot hipper than you think. So the guy, I don't know his name, unless this is the Albert that um, Bill was talking about that Kim was seeing. But he pulls out a gun, and Kim, just her eyes get really big. Like, what is that for? And he says, well, for protection. And Kim says, I told you no violence. And the guy just kind of walks away. 
and puts the gun in his back pocket. And Dean, you know, says, you know, I had seen, seen guns before, you know, guns you use in the woods, but this was like a handgun, a city gun. So I think Dean is probably like, can we go? I, I don't want to be here. This is like probably saying we're, you're getting in over your head here. This is not safe. I know that Kim is about, you know, peaceful protesting and stuff like that. Just being out there and just, you know, about, you know, promoting peace. Yeah, Dean says, I, I want to go home. And Kim's like, well, we can't leave. And she tells him about doing something to make a difference. Like, this is how we'll do that. And Dean is like, who's talking about making a difference? I was mad because my best friend kissed the girl that I liked. That he knew that I liked. Like, that's why I was angry. And Dean says, everyone was trying to make it about something important, but seriously, that's all it was. It was just nothing more simpler than that. Yeah, but Dean, you didn't exactly correct them when they thought it was because you were upset about the death of Dr. King. You know, you, you honestly should, and I get that he's 12 and everything like that, and he doesn't have that part of his, you know, thinking and whatnot, but still, I mean, to lead them to believe, I mean, of course he was upset, but that's why Kim brought him there. And Dean says, I know it's stupid to let feelings about a girl make you do dumb things. Like, yeah. You know, he did kind of let his mouth ruin, in his anger, ruin, I shouldn't say ruin, kind of put his friendships on hold. And Kim, of course, definitely you can tell that she's scared. I know that she wants to, you know, be strong and look tough in front of Kwame and, okay, so Kwame's name is Albert, okay. And, you know, she wanted to look strong for the people there. At the, you know, the Black Panther, you know, organization. So, Dean starts coughing and using this as an excuse. He doesn't really have asthma. He's like, I need my medicine, Kim. And she's like, oh, right. Yeah, he needs his, his medicine for his asthma. And then the Squammy guy's like, well, I told you not to bring the little sissy. He's like, what the hell? Yeah, he's like, I told you not to bring the little sissy in the first place. Oh. <gasps> Girl, you need to turn around and walk away. That guy is not for you. And Dean starts to stand up for himself. Hey, I'm not a... And Kim is just like, he is not a sissy. He was brave enough to come here. So I like that she's standing up to this guy. Maybe even seeing this guy's true colors for who he really is. She actually asked the guy, like, hey, you're going to drive us home or what? Well, don't forget it. Don't. And then she just takes Dean and says, we'll walk. Would you really want that guy driving you home? So this is the guy from the pilot episode, right? That she was kissing in the car? I thought it was a different. Oh, I remember. Yeah, because Dean said, I saw her kissing Kwame in the car. Oh, this guy just, he seems like just bad news. Like, this is a bad situation to get yourself involved in. There's got to be other ways to show support and help. Dean, thank you. As he goes, back in the door, he says, hey, his real name is Albert. Not Angus. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, like, you call me a sissy. I'll tell them all your name is Albert. 
I love how that one guy kind of looks at him like, really, your name's Albert? walking home and of course they did get ice creamed. He's like, hey, thanks for getting an ice cream. She's like, well, thank you for paying. And then adult Dean's like, never tell people you have sock money. 
<laughs> it's like, because then they'll expect you to pay. So, Dan apologizes, like, I'm sorry for making you guys fight. And Kim says, that fight was a long time coming. He's more into making noise. And Kim says, she's more into making change. I am, I'm just excited to see where these characters go. And that we have 22 episodes to get there with all the, oh, so many things gonna, so many things, they can do so many things with the amount of episodes. I mean, think about it. The original Wonder Years, of course, mid-season replacement, six episodes, season one. Season two, 18 episodes. Smush that together, that's about... 24 episodes, so a little, but still. Oh, I'm so excited. I really honestly hope that Dean and Corey patch things up. They must, right? Poor Brad feeling so left out. So Dean asks, are you going to be okay? And Kim says, nothing a Smokey Robinson 45 can't fix. Oh, what is she going to ask him to buy her a 45 record of Smokey Robinson? Unless he already has it. Maybe, like, if I can have your 45 of Smokey Robinson. And Dean kind of is having a hard time understanding how Kim can just throw away, like, a relationship. Like, you really liked him, though. I mean, you fought with Mama all the time about him. And Kim says, I thought he was worth fighting for. I mean, some boys are, but not the ones that say library instead of library. <laughs> yes, not those ones. <laughs> So, Kim says, well, for what it's worth, I hope things work out with you and Tommy and Casey. I'm like, you don't even know his friends' names? He's probably been friends with them since they were, like, six, seven years old. Although he's, well, no, maybe he's been friends with Corey longer than Kisa. They say, you know, girls are going to come, guys are, girls are going to go. Or even, you know, guys are going to come, guys are going to go, but... You know, friends, you know, they're there forever. I mean, a, a, a love interest should not get in the way of a friendship. It really shouldn't. And Dean looks at her and says, you mean Corey and Kisa? She's probably like, yeah, whatever. Whoever they are. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, you don't even know my friends' names. And she's like, yeah, of course I do. Corey, Kisa, and Fred, the one who died last year. I mean, like, you mean Brad? <laughs> He's very much alive. He was in class with me earlier. <laughs> oh, God. Girl. <laughs> I mean, he even remember. I mean, Dean remembered your jerk of a boyfriend. So, come on. Oh, no. Fred definitely existed. But it, that was his turtle. Like, oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> Girl, you don't know anything about your brother. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I thought he was one of your buddies from school. And he's like, and you didn't say anything for a whole year? Oh, my gosh. This is adorable. I love this brother-sister bantering. I think it is so funny and so cute. Fight was a long time coming. He's more into making noise, and I'm more into making change. Oh. You gonna be okay? Not that I'm smoking Robinson 45 can't fix. But you really liked him. You fought with mom about him. 
boys are. But not one to say library <laughs> instead of library. Don't you dare tell mom I admitted to that. <laughs> I won't. You know, for what it's worth, I hope things work out with you, Tommy and Casey. <laughs> Corey and Kisa? Yeah, them. You don't even know my friends' names? Uh, I do. <laughs> Corey, Kisa, and Fred. Who died last year. Fred was my turtle. Oh. Other days when your buddies from school. And you didn't say anything for a whole year? So Dean and Kim come in and yeah, Bill and Lillian, he took her fishing and she had, she says in all these years that I've known your father, he's never taken me fishing. And she says how it just, it was so peaceful and it just felt like things were, were normal. And adult Dean kind of comes in with, you know, it was good to see mama laughing again. It seemed like she needed daddy's fishing trip as much as I did. Like, yeah, it's definitely, you, you work wonders. You just, you go there. You just, you're in your own head. If you want to talk, fine. But, you know, you're just there and just existing and being and fishing. and You don't have to talk. Or you can talk. But it's just, yeah. And she says, hope you're hungry. And she pulls off the lid of what's cooking on the stove Oh, they're actually cooking the fish! <laughs> Is that the first fish she ever caught? Like, we're cooking this fish. It's gonna be great. It's a small fish! That is not enough to feed for two adults and two kids. No, 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 no. Because they start laughing. Kim starts laughing. Her mom's like, what? <laughs> she says, I am very proud of this catch. <laughs> well, your first fish. Of course you would be. It's your first fish. Love Dean. He's like, aren't you supposed to use that to catch, like, you know, bigger fish? <laughs> Kim says it ain't, it ain't nothing but eyes and a tail. It's like a little minnow. <laughs> it's bigger than a minnow, but it's not enough for four people. So Bill's like, stop it, you two. Mind your manners. Now, Kim, go get the, the plates from your dollhouse so we can eat this thing. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I, lo I love so much the connection with this family like yeah they might bicker and stuff like that but i love how they come together this is just it's sweet so i like adult dean comes in and says you know kim had shown me what relationships were worth fighting for but mama and daddy had shown me the kind that are worth fighting for Corey are gonna go fishing together and patch things up. I really think that's how this episode's gonna end. And Dean says, whether well, it's a family relationship or relationship that's meant something to you since second grade. 
So we're in the hallway of school. Dean goes up to Corey, starts apologizing. Like, I'm sorry I embarrassed you in front of the whole history class. I'm sorry I acted so jealous. And Corey cuts him off. I think that he broke up with Kisa and said, this is too hard. Corey's, Dean's my best friend. I can't do this to him. I mean, I like you a lot, but I just, I, he's my best friend. And Corey's like, listen, Dean. And Dean cuts him off like, no, listen, you have to accept my apology. This relationship is, this friendship is worth fighting for. Even if I have to act, try to act happy, it's like, no, I think he's going to say that he did break up with Kisa. Kisa said that she doesn't like Corey. And the only reason she kissed him is because of Dr. King. Because she was feeling sad. She probably she wanted to feel close to somebody. And I do feel bad for Corey. As he says, I really thought she liked me, man. Now I know how you felt. Oh, poor guy. He got his heart broken. Aww. And Dean thinks, you know, when I saw how sad and confused Corey looked, I just didn't feel nearly as bad about the last few days. I think he's going to take him, like, hey, let's go fishing. Let's just get, you know, our problems, just toss them away and just go fishing. I like this quote, Dean thinks. At 12, guys aren't supposed to know how to deal with that emotion. No, no. I mean, if you are, then you're more mature than, I mean, I give you a lot of credit for having that maturity. And he even thinks, you know, hell, I don't know if we ever know. It's like, no, I, I don't think you do. You just... So Dean's like, hey, what are you doing after school? Like, you busy after school? Because you and me, we're going fishing. We're going fishing. Yeah. Mama and Daddy were showing me the kind that is. Whether it's a family <laughs> relationship or a relationship that's mattered to you since second grade. Sorry I got so jealous. I'm sorry I acted like a jerk and embarrassed you in front of the whole history class. Listen, Dean. You have to accept my apology. This relationship <laughs> is worth fighting for. Even if that means I have to pretend to be happy for you and Kisa. Even if Kisa says she doesn't like me. <laughs> she doesn't? She says she only kissed me because she was so upset about Dr. King. I really thought she liked me, man. Now I know you felt. <laughs> I'm sorry. When I saw how sad and confused Corey looked, I didn't feel so bad about how I've been acting the last few days. At 12, guys aren't supposed to know how to deal with that kind of emotion. Hell, I don't know if we ever know. Hey, busy after school? Dean and Corey fish, and of course, Corey looks like he, and he even says, like, Corey, this is, Dean, Dean, this is, this is boring. <laughs> Some people like to fish and some don't. That's just them. I just, I don't know. I mean, I fished a couple times when I was 14 off the dock, you know, at our little cabin that we had. And it was, it was, it was all right. I mean, I had my dog with me. It was cool, but mm -mm. it's such a pain in the ass with the, you know, the, the real, not the, so much the, the real, but the, you know, the line gets tangled and shit like that. And it's just like. I remember the times I went with my dad, he spent more time fixing the line on my fishing pole than actually being able to fish. That's probably why he would drop me off back in the cabin, and then he would go back out on the boat himself and fish. <laughs> uh, and Dean's like, yeah, I mean, 
my dad, it seemed to work when, you know, he took me. And then Dean kind of, you know, think as an adult, he's like, my dad didn't tell me you couldn't force moments like that. No, it has to happen naturally. And you both actually have to be into it. If one's content and the other's like, this is boring, when are we leaving? Then it's like, you're not going to get that peaceful tranquility that you're looking for. And apparently Dean, Dean's dad did not tell him that they didn't have permission to fish on old man Seagram's lake. And that made guess. So the guy's going to go, get the hell you can't fish on my lake. <laughs> what the hell are you doing, kids? Get out of here. I bet anything, yeah, that guy's going to come rolling up like, get the hell off my property. <laughs> yeah, you just hear some guy in the bedroom like, what are you kids doing here? I'll skin your teeth. And both Corey... And Dean dropped their fishing poles and just, zoop, they're gone. Oh, okay, because that song is playing. I'm looking at the subtitles. And the guy's coming like, first the dad and then the mom. And now, it's, yeah, it's those Williamses. Yeah, it's funny, the thing that you see uh, when the credits are rolling and you got the subtitles on. It's like, yeah, it's an egghead son and that friend of his that uh, looks like he's high. Oh, my gosh. Did they say that back in 16? How going to look high to me? Rock salt. Oh my god. Yep, just two guys fishing. <clears throat> Content not to have all the answers. Dean, this is boring. I know. For some reason it seems to work when my dad does it. Daddy didn't tell me that you can't force moments like <laughs> the one we had earlier. Unfortunately, he also didn't tell me that he didn't technically have permission <laughs> to fish on Old Man Seagram's Lake. So let's, there are a lot of reviews for this episode. That's awesome. So one in particular that I like here, it's an 8 out of 10, titled Fresh Take on a Classic. This is for episode, season 1, episode 2, Green-Eyed Monster. Just watched the first episode and definitely going to keep tuning in. Show revolves around family, growing up, and all the ups and downs of life. Most people will be able to find something to connect with with this show or connect to with the show. Loving the fresh take and ensuring that we amplify voices of those whose stories aren't always shared. I love this. This is a good review. So this person here in this review, it's also 8 out of 10, also from September 23rd. A charming, deep show. I was a little skeptical with this reboot, but I actually found it to be pretty good. It's a, sh a charming show about a 12-year-old boy discovering his path in life. It's a charming premise, and it's handled well. The show can also be deep and emotional, with the death of Martin Luther King affecting everyone. Some issues is that a little too much happens in this episode, and there could be a little less of Don Cheadle's narrating. Yeah, see, both of those, I do 100% agree that it's what I said about the pilot. There's a little too much narration and a little too much going on for the first episode. Not that he does a bad job, he does a great job, but he sometimes talked over scenes that shouldn't have needed narration. Besides that, it's a charming take on the Wonder Years that's also deep and emotional. I want to see if there's a review here that kind of actually does talk about this particular episode. 
Okay, so this one in particular is for the Green-Eyed Monster episode. 8 out of 10, solid continuation. This is from October 4, 2021. I thought this was a solid continuation from the first episode. The plot was pretty interesting, and so was the conflict between Dean and Corey and Kessa. Or Kisa. Ugh. See, I got her name written right here. You should not be forgetting her name or mispronouncing it. Okay. I really liked the fishing scene between Dean and his dad, but I but how the conflict ended was predictable. And I thought the whole misunderstanding just was also predictable. Overall, it was a solid continuation with good scenes, but somewhat predictable. All right. All right, now I'll be continuing on with Season 1, Episode 3, entitled The Club. This aired October 6th. 2021. When Dean stumbles upon some racy literature and shares it with friends at school, Bill and Lillian must navigate uncharted territory as parents. This episode has a 7.6 out of 10 based on 115 ratings. Looks like we got some newcomers here. We got this boy's name. Okay, we got some. Let's see here. We got some new people. We got. Charity Jordan is Vivian. L okay, so we are actually going to see Corey's mom. We only, I don't even think she got a speaking part in the pilot when she was there with Coach Wong for when they were watching the uh, news broadcast about uh, Dr. King. We also have Andrew Tull as Hampton. Okay, so it looks like maybe he may be another friend for Dean. We have this boy's name is Pilot Bunch. That is interesting. He plays Mike. I think in the clip I saw he might be a hall monitor that actually catches Dean and his friends looking at, you know, adult magazines. We have Michael Kendall Kaplan as Brett. We have Nakia Dillard as Theo. We have what? Okay. Okay. We get to see Lydia Clemens. So we get to see... Kisa's mom. All right, sweet. We have Bill Winkler playing Principal Cartwright. We have, okay, so we do get a flashback. Young Dean played by Caleb Williams. This is, <laughs> this is EJ Williams is little brother. So I like that they're including him in as young Dean in the flashback. That's awesome. We all, okay. Oh, we get to see the brother, uh, Jalen Webb, as young Bruce, and Mackenzie Jordan as young Kim. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I'm excited about this. <laughs> All right, let's see. Do we got any? Okay, I always I want to start just saving the user reviews, of course, for the end, because I don't want to spoil myself. As I've said, I'm going into these episodes first-time watcher. Let's see, Goofs, 1968 bedroom has a Philadelphia Phillies pennant with a logo that wasn't introduced until the 1970 season. All right. Okay, without further ado, let's jump into the club. This is really cool. We get to see a flashback to 1964, so four years earlier. So an adult Dean comes on narrating with saying how teaching kids about you know, male and female relationships wasn't on grown folks' agendas in the 60s. 
and how kids were to be seen and not heard. Dean also tells us how his parents would throw these blue light special parties because I guess they both went to yeah, they've been throwing these parties since they were at Tuskegee A&M. So, <laughs> cool. Well, when I think Blue Light Special, I think Kmart. That's where I think Blue Light Special. So, yeah, this is when Bruce, you know, four years earlier was, you know, still living with the family. And <laughs> Dad says, hey, Bruce, I'm empty. Come and fill up the, the tub outside with more alcohol. And, of course, Kim wants to see what's going on. Because <laughs> I think she was the one who they were peeking through the blinds in the door. So she goes out after Bruce, and <laughs> her mom stops her. Like, no, 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 you go inside and go back to bed. <laughs> so Bruce, then, if he's, like, 18... In 1968, then he had to have been 14 in 1964. And then Kim, if she is, let's say maybe she's like a year younger, maybe she's 17. So that means she'd be 13. And then Dean would be 8. And I think it's Coach Long's wife, you know, Corey's mom, saying about how, oh, she's trying to grow up too fast. And Lillian says, yeah, she gets that from her grandma. And I was like, oh, not her mom? Like, no. So Dean narrates how, who needed to worry about being, like, sexy when you had baseball cards? And Kim is kind of grumbling, saying, like, I can't wait to be old enough to know what they do out there. They're dancing and they're drinking. That's what they're doing. And eight-year-old Dean says, they don't know what real fun is. And he's going through his baseball cards and he's like, oh, wow, manager cards. So those must have been worth something back in the 60s. I'm, I'm guessing. I'm guessing. I didn't collect baseball cards. I collected movie trading cards. That's what I did. <laughs> movie, you know, Dick Tracy the movie, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Secret of the Ooze trading cards, Elf, Robin Hood Prince of Thieves, just a lot of those type of trading cards. So we come out of that flashback from... 64 and then we go to 68 where Br where Dean and Corey, Brad and a handful of other kids are on the front lawn of the school and they're dealing their baseball cards. Corey's ever like, nah, I don't know. I mean, my mom told me I can't, you know, trade cards with you anymore after you took my Willie Mays card. Because he ruined it by quote-unquote signing, signing it. Oh, God. dang, you did not. You sweat. You, uh, oh, I can see why Corey's mom would not want him, like, trading with Dean anymore. Because he weaseled that Willie Mays card, that signed, autographed Willie Mays card from Corey. So... Dean's giving Corey some beef, like, oh, am I trading with you or Corey's mom? I mean, does she cut your steak for you, too? Ugh. Dean. And, and Corey says, yeah, she does it the best. I mean, that's the best way. So this kid <laughs> is like, oh, yeah, I'll take the Burt Capillaris card. <laughs> like, okay. And Dean's like, finally, someone who's his own man. I'm like, what, who is this Burt Capillaris person? Like, he says, like, some utility 
infielder. So I don't I don't know that baseball talk. I don't know infielders. I don't know that that stuff. I don't know batting average. I don't know any of that stuff. I don't want to know it either. And Dean's like, let's see, because he's picking from the pile that's scattered on the in the inner circle of the boys. Carl Yumstrumsky? That's a weird name. Wait a minute. Didn't Milhouse want the Carl Yumstrumsky car back when he had the big sideburns? Oh my, yeah. My, uh, <laughs> Brad and the, the kid with the long, dark hair that looks like it's definitely from the 70s. <laughs> they kind of nod at each other when Dean takes the Carl Yumstrumsky card. And now he wants to trade his, like, Marv Thorn Thornberry card. Thornberry. <laughs> I never watched the Wild Thornberry. You know, I didn't have cable until I was 14. And by then, I mean, I felt a little too, too old for... That then you know the Rugrats. I never got into the Rugrats show either. My two nephews did. They really liked it in the um, mid to late nineties. So Dean, the next day, he wants to trade his like Marv or Merv Thornberry card, and he's like, "What? You guys are trading baseball cards without me?" And he stops. He's like, "Oh, yeah. They all have. That is fucking ballsy as hell to be flashing those dirty magazines like." in front of school, on the lawn, where anyone who's anyone of a faculty member could walk by and say, what the fuck are you doing? Well, they wouldn't say that, but your ass would be in some deep, hot-ass water, I'm telling you. Mr. Dark's 70s hairdo here is all like, baseball cards are for boys, Dean. They're openly looking in pornography, porn magazines on the front lawn of the school. No way in holy hell would you be doing that? No way. You would not. Not in 68. Not in 2021. Not in 1998. Now, am I admitting that I brought a playgirl to school my senior year of high school? Yeah, I did. But I wasn't flashing it all over. I mean, I showed a couple of my friends, but it's like, we're not, like, school was over with, so. Or, like, I'm like, hey, look what I got in my bag. But I'm not, like, pulling it out for everyone to see. You had to be 18 to get those magazines anyway. At least, I mean, I know I did. This kid is really trying to act his ass. I'm like, these, these are for men. Like, do we see this kid again, or is he just thinking this is my one shot to, like, really shine in the scene and really get my name out there? I'm gonna, I gotta look up this kid. I gotta look up this kid. Yeah, this is the only episode that this kid, I think his, yeah, his name is Brett. He's the one with the hair. And, yeah, this is the only episode he's in. He's also in the upcoming uh, Walton's movie special thing going on with uh, returning Richard Thomas. I have not seen the Waltons. I actually did manage to buy uh, the DVD box set. So I'll have to check that out sometime. I've seen multiple, you know, I love me some Little House on the Prairie. I have never seen the Waltons. Adult Dean says, seeing those magazines gave me a feeling no baseball, baseball card ever could. I'm like, I bet they do. I bet they do. And Dean, th yeah, Adult Dean says, like, the raciest thing he had seen up till that point had been 
the employees at Woolworths changing clothes on a mannequin. <laughs> Man, entirely the same thing. And he also thinks, like, yeah, it's lack of detail on a mannequin, of course, left him with more questions than the Because it's not anatomically correct. I mean, I don't even think that the women mannequins back then had boobs. Now I think they even have, like, um, pregnant mannequins. So that way they can put on, you know, dress them with the maternity, maternity wear. So Dean is just like, wow, where did you guys get these? And Brad's like, from our dad's secret stashes. Because all their dads have secret stashes of porn at their... <laughs> of course they do. So if that's the case, you know that Dean's going to go home and immediately start trying to root around looking for his... If his dad's got any porn mags stashed somewhere. I'd say check the bed, but he shares a bed with his wife. So I don't know. I don't know if he'd be hiding it there. Maybe, like, if they got a garage, right? Check the garage. Maybe he's got, like, a workshop thing going on there. Maybe check there. Because you're not keeping it in the house where the wife could find out. That'd be, um... What the heck's this kid's... Not Hamilton, but... Let me check. What the hell's this kid's name? Not, not fancy 70s-haired kid, but the other one... Where's his name? Where's it? Hampton? Ha Hampton! Oh, Hampton! Okay, so he's got his eyes closed, like, if I don't see it, it's not a sin. And then he, like, like kind of, like, opens his fingers, kind of looks at, hmm, you lucked, it's a sin! <laughs> and Brett's all like, hey, you've seen nudie magazines before, haven't you? And Dean's like, of course. And then Corey's like, yeah, of course he has. Yeah, right. Judging by your reaction, I'd say you have not. I love how Dean starts commentating, like, why is he sweating so much? He's got a fever? Good thing his wife's a nurse. <laughs> no one else is thinking that when they're looking at these pictures. <laughs> Maybe that's how you deal with the nervousness. You, like, tr like try to, like, cr like critique it, or so that way you're, like, <laughs> making, like, hmm, this is kind of weird. It's, like, trying to, like, take off the, like, oh, I'm not embarrassed. Even though you kind of are. <laughs> Adulting is like, I'd never felt this way before. It was, what do you say, titillating, taboo, exciting? <laughs> Again, these kids have got some fucking ball. They are looking at this shit on the front lawn of the school. Not in the backyard of one of their homes in a tent somewhere. Apparently Hampton passed out. And, oof, he just faints to the ground. And Brett says, oh, he's fine. He does that, and he did that in biology, too. I like that we got another white kid here besides Brad. <laughs> I love, like, the Polaroidish type pictures for the intro, and it's just real quick and done. It's not a long, you know, you know, drawn-out theme song. And I'm not saying the Wonder Years, the OG Wonder Years theme song was drawn out and stuff like that, but I just, I think it's cool. I like it. Baseball cards are for boys, Dean. <laughs> These 
an empty house. It's <laughs> uh, so, hey mom, dad, you home? And then adult Dean narrates how in the 60s you can count on black men for a lot of things, how to fix a car, yeah, being able to dress, being able to fix a car, let me guess, and being able to have, why would he stick porn in the closet? That, um, or even in the bedroom you'd share with your spouse, why would you, why would you keep that stuff there? And the doll denarrates. Oh, you could all. Unfortunately, you could also count on them to where to hide things. Okay. Oh my gosh! Because <laughs> Dean is now rifling through their his parents' closet. So Dean is kind of going through this container of records. He found a record that said "adults only," and then also one for Bill Cosby. Like, when he sees the one for adults only, is it getting warmer? And then he finds one for Bill Cosby, getting colder. Yeah, so Dean decides, I'm guessing this has got to be the basement of the house, because he starts going through this boxes that's filled with all these, you know, cards and schoolwork, things that they've, you know, Kim and Bruce and Dean have all given the parents over the years. Like, I love you, Mom, happy Mother's Day, or I love you, Dad, happy birthday, or something like that, homemade stuff. Why would it be in there? Uh, so another thing he finds in the... Is this the basement or the garage? I can't tell because there's light like coming in from... So maybe it's the basement. He found Mr. Giggles, which mom's... His mom apparently told him he'd moved to a farm after Dean had dropped him in the toilet. <laughs> Ew. I'm sorry, but if you drop something in the toilet, it's gone for good. I mean, there's no coming back from that. There's no saving that. That is gone forever. I mean, I'm sure she could have thrown the bear in the washer and dry, but it's like, it's been in the toilet! Are you sure? Like, you're still going to be like, yeah, but this was in the toilet, though. Even though it's been washed and laundered five times, it's still, it's been in the toilet. Okay, so this is the basement because it's got the washer and dryer down there. So he didn't, there's a cardboard box that it just got porn out the wazoo. Just stacks of issues of porn. <laughs> and adult Dean is kind of comparing, like, compared to today's, today's standards of, you know, nudie magazines. He says there's nothing hotter than mahogany love. <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah, they're probably mostly, those magazines are probably mostly articles or advertisements with an occasional, like, you know, boob shot or something like that. I don't think, I mean, that's probably, it was just women in risque, like, scantily clad outfits 
you're not seeing vagina, I don't think. I don't know. I didn't grow up back then. I mean, compared to what, like, shit that I was looking at when I was probably his age from stuff that I had found stashed, that, I mean, if you had any questions, they were completely covered when you're flipping through the pages. I love, yeah, Dean, like, feels like he's being watched, so he turns around, of course, he sees Mr. Giggles that he put up on the bench there, the shelf or whatever, he's like, stay out of grown folks' business, Mr. Giggles. <laughs> he has Mr., he turns Mr. Giggles around, so he's facing the wall. Sounds like someone just got home, because it sounds like the front door upstairs closed. My mistake, he just keeps on reading, so, okay, whew. I thought he was going to get caught. So Dean is like, he's in the school hallway. He's got the magazines probably in his coat. Just hiding them. Oh, I couldn't wait to show the guys what I had found. Let me guess, he heads into the bathroom. I'm like, hey guys, look what I got. I'm late to the party, but I got some. Now I'm part of the club. <laughs> the pornography club. <laughs> He is fucking brazen. Oh my gosh. Dean, he's got it like the, he's <laughs> got it like standing just underneath his belt buckle, like propped up by the belt buckle and the pants. Like, hey guys, he wants to do less talking and more looking. Opens his coat jacket up and it's like, whoa, Dean, nice. And she's like, I don't know. Like, damn, boy. Like, score! Okay, so the magazine is called Mahogany Love. Which, I don't know if that's a real, actual title for an adult magazine back in, like, the 60s. I'm gonna look that up. I love how he is so confident. Like, oh, what? Have you not seen a girly magazine? He's so confident! <laughs> He's so proud of himself! And Brian's like, what are you doing? Come on, sure. I'm like, not in the fucking school! Holy shit, I'm in the bathroom! Go into, I don't think they had any handicap stalls then, but even then I wouldn't recommend going in. No, but go into the fucking bathroom. They were doing that outside on the damn lawn, but you're not, that hallway is crowded full of people. I think we see Kisa coming up the hallway. It's like, no, 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 no. Okay, is she going to get in trouble too? And then her mom has to come down and like, I don't know why my daughter was looking at the magazine. I don't know anything about it. So, I'm not seeing. it looks like it must be made up for the show, because all I'm seeing is Mahogany Brides Magazine, um, uh, Mahogany Magazine, ra Magazine, ra Mahogany Magazine Racks, uh, Mahogany African American Cards, Gifts, and Ornaments, that, that's pretty much it, that's, uh, honestly, yeah, I think it was just for, and I surely do not want to put adult magazines or porn or whatever into my search history because how the fuck is that going to be? I could be get trolled with a shit ton of porno spam on my phone and I sure as fuck don't want that. So Dana's like, be cool, be cool. It's like, come on guys, you're all like chill as a cucumber cucumber yesterday looking at this shit on the, on the front lawn of the school. But now you act like you've never looked at one before. Like, Calm down. In the hallway is not to be placed to be looking at that stuff. <laughs> like I said, tent in the backyard at night. Boom. 
So Kisa comes up like, oh, hi, Dean. Did you get uh, taller? And I don't know what the fuck. The, even adult Dean is like, what am I doing here? He's like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Like, what? 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 What is that? So now they're in the boys' bathroom. And he, how many issues did he pull out of that cardboard box from in the basement? It's like, well, bring enough for everybody now. Dean and Corey. Well, I mean himself and Corey and Brett and Brad and Hampton. And <laughs> so apparently these magazines are a lot better than the stuff that Brad had the other day. Yeah, his was probably mainly articles and women, like, maybe showing a bare shoulder. But this is like full on, uh, all like nudie just from the waist up, I'm sure. But they're like, oh my gosh, this is the good stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, and poor Hampton, he's like, what if someone comes in? Should we be hogging the bathroom? I'm like, oh my gosh. And Brett's like, my mom would leave my dad if he had these kind of magazines. And Dean's like, yeah, my dad's a real pervert. So this white, curly, blonde-haired kid comes in, like, hey, what's up? what you looking at? He grabs a magazine. Oh, this is the good stuff. Uh, like, give me some skin. And slap, high five. And all of a sudden, the bell rings. And the kid puts on the hall monitor sash. He's a fucking hall monitor ready to send them to the principal's office. Like, I gotta confiscate these. <laughs> it's like... Until 8 a.m., I'm me. But then when that bell rings, I'm the hall monitor. And I don't take no shit from nobody. But I will take these nudie magazines to the principals. So, yeah. Oh, don't be late for class. This kid is, like, wearing... It almost looks like a, a windbreaker, but it's, like, the material is, like, similar to that of, like, a, a raincoat from the 60s. He's like, hey, righteous, who are, whose are these? Dean's like, oh, they're mine. Dean's like, hey, give me some skin. Oh, I'm on duty. Unzips the jacket. Hall monitor sash displayed on the front. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the kid does look like he is at least a grade or two above the rest of the boys there. Yeah, he's all serious, like, fun's over, boys. I'm afraid I'm going to have to confiscate these. And Dean's like, confiscate? What about righteous? We did the, the home hand slap thing. What What's up with that? Yeah, he's like, sorry, that was fun, Mike. Now I'm hall monitor, Mike. After 8 a.m., I am hall monitor, Mike. Before 8 a.m., I'm fun, Mike. And I would let this slide, but sorry. Where was he yesterday, huh? Out on the front lawn, huh? Oh, oh. I'm sure his duties, like, don't extend past the school day. Like, once it's, like, 3 o'clock, like, I take the sashes in the locker for until tomorrow at 8 a.m. But this guy takes his responsibilities seriously. Yes, Hall Monitor Mike knows that this is against school policy. Come on. Follow me. And then, of course, Dean is saying, well, I couldn't show fear in front of the guys. And Hampton made that easier because he faints sideways. <laughs> ah, Hampton the fainter. Brett's like, he's fine. This happened in detention, too. So now we're in the principal's office. 
Bill is there, and he apologizes again. Like, I'm sorry for my son's actions. I Don't worry, he will get a good talking to later. So the principal says, you know, I had to call on this being, you know, the school policy is very clear when it comes to this kind of stuff. And then he says, you know, boys will be boys. Really, and if it were a girl bringing male pornography magazines into the school, would you say, well, girls will be girls? No, it's uh, such a double standard. And even in, I mean, 1968, come on now. I mean, if I had been caught bringing those magazines to school, which I don't think I was, because I don't remember going to the principal's office for that. (laughs) I, holy, yeah, I would have been in some massive trouble. Even the principal says, well, this is the good stuff. You usually have to go to the liquor stores for these. I think that's where I found the ones that I found. I had to go to this little, small mom-and-pop operation at <laughs> this little, teeny-tiny liquor store that just happened to have right out in the, in the magazine aisle against the wall. And this would have been back in 2000, back when... I don't think, I mean, they had the plastic covers on them, but they weren't, like, to the point where you couldn't see the cover. I mean, it's a liquor store. We got nothing to hide here. Seemingly, we're all, if you're if you're coming into a liquor store, you're clearly an adult, or at least I would hope so, to some degree. And adult Dean narrates how something about, like, whether this principal might have been a mechanic before he became... A principal, <laughs> but Dean is like tells us like there was one more because the principal hands the stack of magazines like that were probably like three or four of them and Dean's like oh, there's one more, so the guy well he was gonna hold like keep one of them like oh no dude you're in a position of power and still should be setting an example. You want that magazine, you go to that liquor store and you go get that magazine there. No freebies. Yeah, he had it in a drawer and he opens, the the principal opens the drawer and pulls it out and I swear Bill is like rolling his eyes as he gets up from his chair. And I'm just kind of thinking how this makes me think of, uh, what episode was this? Was it the Swingers episode? Yeah, with the book. The Everything You Wanted to Know About Sex Were Afraid to Ask book. And how Norma finds that book just on Kevin and Wayne's bedroom floor. And just see. And then you find out, but it's not so much that you're reading this, but what were you doing in my dresser drawer anyway? I'm thinking, what? She's got that. Hey, sometimes after almost 20 years of marriage, you want to spice things up, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. But now we're outside of the school, and we're in the car with Bill and Dean, and I'm wondering if that's where Bill is going to talk to Dean about his uh, racy reading material, I guess, if you want to call it. I mean, they're calling you racy reading material. 
There's also an episode of Growing Pains where in season two, I believe, it's the episode is called Call Me, where Ben calls a sex hotline 67 times. Oh, and then he passes out the number at school. And I think Ma- uh, Maggie, um, Ben's mom, refers to Ben as a purveyor of pornography. <laughs> and that word just kind of caught up in my mind. Yeah, and you can tell that Bill is very uncomfortable. They're just kind of sitting there, and Bill finally speaks. He says, so, uh, we need to talk about what just happened in there. And, of course, adult Dean is like, oh, here comes the pre-whooping talk. Oh, boy. Let's see how he handles this. I mean, it is a father and a son. I mean, honestly, I'm just thinking, what if Jack... Because that was Norma's book. No way in hell is Jack going to a bookstore and getting the everything you wanted to know about sex, but we're afraid to ask. No way in hell. But imagine if he had, like, walked into the boys' room and seen that book. I'm pretty sure he would have, like, uh, just, hmm, turned around and walked out. He, he wouldn't even have uh, mentioned it. None of that. And the fact that, yeah, speaking of the recent, the, um, pornography magazines it was in season one of the wonder years where i think it's the episode called angel where karen brings home her boyfriend who ends up getting drafted to vietnam and he's saying about how he could you know go to canada or he could get himself shot full of holes or however but anyway when kevin is telling wayne about this Lewis guy that Karen's dating is also dating some girl. He's also dating some girl named Marissa. Wayne is looking at a, he's cutting out a, a a Playboy magazine. I'm like right in the bedroom, and it's like I even like yeah the school hallway, the front of the school, the bathroom. You really want to bring that stuff with you? I mean, I I know I know I brought a magazine myself. But I wasn't flashing it to everybody. I wasn't pulling it out of my bag and just flashing it around the lunchroom or anything like that. No. Dean explains the pre-whooping talk is where they expl- the parent explains why they have to to whoop you and why they don't, you know, enjoy. Like, this isn't, I'm not getting anything out of this. The whole, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you type of talk. Dean turns in his seat sideways to face his dad. He says, Dad, Daddy, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. And Bill, he just backs out of this. Like, this talk clearly is not going to happen. He says, like, how about we just keep this between us, man? It's like, yeah, your mom does not need to know about it. She did not get called out there. But the thing is, in the summary on IMDb, it says both Bill and Lillian have to deal with that. So I'm wondering... How is she going to be involved? Is she going to know about this? I'm really, really curious. It's almost like a, if you don't say anything or mention anything, I won't say anything or mention anything. Like, are we cool? Be cool, right? Just, we don't have to, pretend it never even happened. Like, I don't have to have the, the, the sex talk with you and you don't have to hear me fumble my way through it. So, it's a win, win, win for us both.
basically, is what I think. I mean, like I said, I'm not a parent, but I can only imagine how embarrassing it's not only for the kid to have to hear that talk, but for the parent. Because you know the parents have been on the receiving end of that talk. And it's just as awkward and uncomfortable for them to hear it as, as for them to have to explain it. Yeah, and, and Dean is like, really? This <laughs> his dad puts a hand on his shoulder like, all right, all right. And it's almost like how Dean words it with, Dean is just wild that his dad actually referred to him for the first time ever as a man. And it's like he had get, he says, my dad had given me admission into the most awesome super secret club. And that's just, a, that's a whole, um, you know, everyone, you know how they say, like, everyone does it, but nobody talks about it. It's like, yes, people look at the stuff, but they don't go and brag about it. They don't talk about it with their friends. There's even an episode of Roseanne that deals with, you know, masturbation. DJ gets caught playing with his quote-unquote instrument in band, and then Dan has to talk to DJ, and he even says, look, yes, people do do that. But the thing is, they, they don't talk about it. They don't talk about it. No. So we get to see another one of Dean's fantasies. As it's almost like he's in a gentleman's club. And I, I just, I like this scene. It's really fun. You know, they're playing, you know, Dean's dressed in a suit and a hat like his dad and all that. And he's like, his dad puts an arm around him, around him and says, drink it up, Dean. You're in the club now. And he hands him a card that says man on it. <laughs> Because Dean hands his dad a card that says boy, and then it says Dean Williams, and his dad takes a lighter to it. <laughs> and they both just throw their heads back and just laugh. Like, <laughs> and his dad just flicks away the boy card with Dean's name walls on fire. So, yeah, now that Dean has seen boobs in, you know, in the magazine, it's like, now his mind is consumed about it. As he's looking at his history book and a picture of Harriet Tubman comes to life and says, you're thinking about my boobs right now, aren't you? And Dean's like, no, no, I wasn't. And she, yeah, she says, I did not risk my life saving thousands of people so you could think like that. Like, pull yourself together. And Dean slams the book shut. Like, oh my gosh, his mind is just going crazy. Oh, buddy, you did not. That was a risky ass move. Risky ass move. So his dad, here's his dad saying, you know, going to the store, be back in 20. And then Dean thinks this is a great time to go down to the basement and what, put those other magazines back? Or get some other ones out of that cardboard box? Because he's down there and here's mom's like, Dean, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, oh, oh, is this how, oh. Oh my gosh, this is how he gets caught by his mom and how she finds out. Shit! Oh my gosh, did Dean just throw his dad under the bus? I said, oh, please don't be mad. Daddy told me not to look at his magazines. Don't be mad about these magazines, Mom. Now you're throwing your dad under the bus, and now she's going to have to have a talk with him. It's going to be a huge thing. Dean, really? 
you could have just like, as soon as she raised her voice and she made her presence known, you drop the magazines, you stand up, you're like, oh, I wasn't doing anything, I wasn't doing anything, I wasn't looking at these racy magazines in this box. Oh my god, it's just like, it went from bad to like worse, because now she knows, unless, now you know that's where the laundry's done. And the fact that that cardboard box is right there. And, I mean, I know that other box, you know, the stuff with the kids is, you know, you know, Father's Day, Mother's Day, birthdays, Christmas, car, whatever, was like right around that same air, was it? I no, the bear, that box, that bear was in the box. That's what it was. So she probably never paid attention to it, but. I just, I'm excited to see how this, oh boy. <laughs> so Lillian comes down and she says, your father knows about this. And he said these were his, I bet, oh, I bet they're Bruce. You know, they could be Bruce's. They could be his older brothers. Like, maybe. I mean, whose else would they be? Whose else would they be? Because if they're not the dad's, then they gotta be the older brothers. And Dean's like, he said it was just between us men. Oh boy. Oh boy. And she's like, oh, he did, did he? Well, it looks like the three of us are gonna have a little talk. Oh my god. Dean, you broke the guy code. That guy code of what stays in the guy. <laughs> What stays there, like, is not spoken outside of that circle. That is a man pact. I'm not a man, but I'm pretty sure, like, what stays between two dudes, like, you don't share that. Like, oh, man. Oh, boy. Wow. I gotta say, these episodes are fun. They are uh, just fun. I'm enjoying the characters. I'm enjoying these stories. It's just great. And I honestly, and I really like just watching it for the first time so you're getting my original reactions. <laughs> yeah, Dean, Dean says, I hadn't even been in the men's club for a full day and I already blew it by telling mom about dad's secret stash. <sighs> yep. We flash back to the gentleman's club there with... <laughs> With Bill handing Dean that boy card with just, like, the right edge, the right end of it, the card singe. Like, it was, like, in flames before, but, like, no, you have this back. You're not. Give me the man card. Thank you. I'll give it back to you when I think you're ready and not before. So yeah, when Bill gets back, Lillian kind of lights into him a little bit with, oh, well, yeah, he told me they were your magazines, and it was supposed to be a secret between the men, and Dean's like, oh, I know, I'm sorry, I know they're dirty, I shouldn't have been looking at them. 
And he even tells them, like, I've tried to think of other things, but I can't get those pictures out of my head. You know, I mean, it's normal. You're a teenager. You're going to be curious about... I can imagine, you know, they'll probably be like, we understand. You're at that age. You're curious. And then Dean mutters to himself, stupid, sexy Harriet Tubman. Uh, hey, she is not a fault, sir. This is all you, Dean. See, you boys should have just stuck to what you knew. The baseball card trading game, or whatever you want to call it. Club, I guess. Activity. So, I like, Lillian does take control of the situation. She's like, Dean, let's get one thing clear. The feelings you have when you look at those magazines are completely natural. I like that she's addressing it in this way. Letting him know, like, this is this is normal, this is natural for you to feel this way and want to see those things. She's not making him out to be a pervert and how dare you, and I am so embarrassed. She's not doing that. She's letting him know, like, she understands. I mean, yes, she was a girl, too. She probably had her own curiosities growing up, but we're not here for Lillian's side of that. But she, I like how this... This is definitely good mothering. Definitely. And she says, they're not dirty. I don't want you to ever feel guilty or ashamed for how you're feeling. I, And she actually does take a chair out and sit down so she is facing you know, across from Dean. So she can make sure that he is getting her full undivided attention. So she, she knows that he sees her and is under, understanding like this is perfectly... Healthy, but there, honestly, yeah, there's a right way and a wrong way to go about it. And taking those magazines to school to show your friends, that was not the right way. But then again, I don't even think she knows about that. She just knows that she caught him down in the basement going through a cardboard box full of dirty magazines. She does not know that he went to the principal's office because he, the hall monitor confiscated the magazines he brought to school. Here we go. She says, well, I think it's time that we talk to you about sex. It's going to be a double team parent. Because she's pretty much the one who's controlling this conversation. That's definitely one side. I don't really hear any input from Bill. But I bet anything she's going to make him talk eventually. Like, do you have anything to add here? You want to help me out? I mean, you're the guy. And Dean is just like, oh, I'd rather die. And Bill's like, can't we just whoop the boy like God intended? And Dean's like, no, yeah, Mama, I'll take the whooping. Like, eh, he he should have. But then again, has she had this conversation with Kim? Because, you know, she was caught kissing her boy, well, ex-boyfriend now, in the car in the pilot episode. She probably needs to have the talk, too, if she hasn't already. No, and Lillian says, no, I would rather we all talk about it. And Dean's like, why do you always want to talk? Women don't know anything about this stuff. And she's like, what stuff? It's like, she barely knows more than you think she does, buddy. Is that a bomb bombshell? Bombshell! Because she's like, what stuff? And Dean says, nudie magazines and stuff. She takes a breath, like, oh boy. <laughs> Confession time. Those magazines aren't your father's. Oh my gosh, aren't they ours? Aren't they ours? I was going to say 
Bruce's. I was going to say Bruce's. Oh my gosh. My jaw is on the floor. I swear. She says, they're not your father's. They're mine. Oh! 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 Which, bum, wow, wow. <laughs> I mean, this ranks really right up there with that book being Norma's, but this ranks a smidge higher than that. It real because that wow. This is nudity magazines, everybody. This is not the everything you wanted to know about sex, but were afraid to ask. Which I've never seen that book. I don't know if there were pictures. I remember reading, looking through the joy or joys of sex. And that was very, very, very illustrated. Wow. Any any questions? Any any thoughts you were confused about were cleared up when you looked at that book? I love the shaky cam, like, world erupting, like, minds blown. And the camera gets shaky. <laughs> And, and Dean says, at that moment, time stood still. I love how we have Bill just kind of like his thumb and index finger just right there. Bridge of his nose, just between the eyes. Like, oh, God, why did you, why did you say that? And Dean asks, why would you want to look at magazines like those? Now, here's what I think. Maybe she... Maybe those, I mean, I don't know, did he check the dates from those magazines? And, I mean, are they recent within the last five to ten years? Maybe. But maybe curiosity. I don't know. I don't know. Wow. 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 She says, well, remember when your father would be on the road with the band a lot? Well, I would miss him. Gosh, okay, okay, we went there, everybody. We know what she used those magazines for. <laughs> it went there. Wow. Hey, we all, can I say, we all need a little something something from time to time. Those out there, raise their hands. We need a little something from time to time. It's It's natural. It's normal. I love Dean's question. As he asks, are there pictures of him in those magazines? Like, uh, no. And I'm sure there are plenty of stories, not just pictures. Yeah. And Lillian says, not exactly, but there you know, were some couples in there. Some of the men reminded me of your dad. And just, Bill is just like, oh. It just, it's just funny, and it just makes me think if we put Norma and Jack in the situation, like, because it's around the same time period, but I just, it's just awkward to even picture them in this, you know, situation, Norma trying to give a talk like that. Because, I mean, her being so uncomfortable, just trying to find the words 
Just say, like, it's not so much that you're reading this book, but what were you doing in my dresser drawer anyway? And then, of course, Kevin narrating that, you know, apparently me and my parents came to an understanding that I wouldn't mention my book if they didn't mention theirs. Or they wouldn't mention my book if I didn't mention theirs or something like I don't even think Jeff knew that she had that book, to be honest. I don't think so. But then again, we don't know what goes behind um, behind closed doors. Oh, they would look at them together. Okay, she, she says we would even look at them together. And Dean asks, so you don't anymore? <laughs> well, this is getting very deep. This is, wow, this is a conversation that, okay. And I gotta wonder, even back then or even now, what the <laughs> conversations... Between parents talking to their kids about this stuff, I don't think they're that forthright. Or maybe they, some might be. I don't know. Maybe some parents are like, I don't want to just give you the facts. I want to give you, like, my own experience. And Lillian says, well, I guess we haven't in a while. And Dean asks, well, why'd you stop? What? What? Why? My son, just stop. I get curious, but it's like... Oh, Bill is just so uncomfortable. Is he going to jump in? You know, I think that's enough questions for tonight. I think that's enough questions for tonight. Let me table this for a further date. And Lillian's explanation is, you know, well, you, you know, all are getting older and stuff. And I guess we both got busy with work. I mean, I mean, yeah, I'm sure there are couples out there like, yes, their jobs kind of keeps them really busy so they don't have that alone time and sometimes maybe you gotta pencil it in to your schedule just like all right on this date we're gonna do this clear the schedule because we're doing this so yeah she's talking about you know a new position with more hours and you know he's talking about you know his teaching and tenure and all that stuff kind of you know stuff kind of gets in the way and dean is like well does that mean you don't miss each other as much anymore? And Lillian kind of cuts him off with, you know, it's just, that's not the point. It's just, this is all normal and healthy. And she even said, you know, for men and women. And he's like, uh, okay. I mean, it's good, you know, that they got this talk out there and everything. So that way he doesn't feel like he's a pervert for looking at that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I grew up Catholic and stuff like that. And yes, I did feel embarrassed and ashamed for looking at stuff like that. But eventually I got over it and just like, this is normal, you know? So Lillian asked Dean, any more questions? And Bill cuts off before Dean can even open his mouth. Like, great, that's done. Let's have dinner now. <laughs> like, let's move on from this uncomfortable conversation that he didn't contribute to because he probably would have said, okay, that's enough. Like, five seconds in, like, let's have dinner. <laughs> but Dean does have a question. He says, oh, since you asked, um, I heard some older kids talking the other day. What's a period? Okay. Um, why don't you table that for after dinner? <laughs> and she... Bill doesn't have to be a part of that conversation. And Bill's like, ugh, damn it, Lillian. <laughs> he goes sort of like, ugh. Ugh. 
So, of course, she starts talking about a period, and then adult Dean narrates how in the 60s women didn't speak so openly about sex. And Dean says how his mom was always ahead of the curve. Yeah, I mean, she wants to make sure he has the facts, the right, correct facts, and not just getting lingo from kids at school. And Dean says that his mom was the first black woman in her hometown to learn how to drive. Wow. Wow, that's great. And he also says that she was the first black woman in her hometown who ever went to college. And he says, I can't confirm this, but I think she was also the first black woman in her hometown to own a cardboard box full of porn. And she concludes here with telling Dean one day there's going to be a woman that you love and knowing this about women is going to make you a more open and caring partner. This is a, this is just great, great advice. And even the fact like, yeah, it's not just about the physical aspect of sex. It's the connection between two people. There's my duck timer. I gotta flip my Rangoons. It's like she's giving Dean tips for the future. Like, most men have no idea about the female sex drive. And she says, and I don't wanna, want you to turn out like them. Finally pops in here like, wait, is Dean most men or am I? Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's almost like, are you putting down my, uh... <laughs> And she tells Dean, you know, I know this isn't what you're expecting to hear from a woman, especially your mom, but I just want you to grow up to be, she wants to make sure her son grows up to be a tender and caring man. So she takes the magazines back, of course, and then Bill's like, well, aren't you forgetting the just like his father part? <laughs> and Bill says, just like your father. <laughs> it was implied. So, yeah, I mean, that that is a lot of information to take in. There's a lot of information to chew on for a while. So, good, good, good. She got him set up, which should take him through all the way to adulthood. No more sex talk, right? Well, eventually, I mean, especially with guys or girls, the whole, like, I, you know, the whole... I would like you to wait, but I know that you probably won't. But if you are going to take part in this activity, I want you to be safe. I want you to be careful. You know, prevention. Prevention is key. Condoms, you know, all that stuff. Stuff. What stuff? 
I guess it's bedtime and Dean goes in there. I like the sliding door and then he goes in and, and Kim's sitting on his bed and she already knows like oh mom and dad gave you the let's ruin the fun of sex talk. <laughs> yeah so she already knows and more so like she's already had that conversation with them too. So <laughs> Dean tells Kim that they're <laughs> nudie magazines. And this comes as a surprise to Kim because she's like the same mom that made me get baptized twice because I wore a bikini. And then adult Dean kind of tells us, oh, it was a little more than just because of a bikini. And she's like, well, what else did they tell you? That the baby comes out the... And Dean's like, it holds up and like, it, it, yeah, they said that. So we uh, most likely missed that, which is fine. <laughs> we all know that part of it. 
And then Kim asks, like, oh, did they also tell you if you don't use birth control, you get... <laughs> and Dean says, Bruce. So Kim asks Dean, like, did Dad and Mom tell you that not even the pill will keep a girl safe from getting pregnant before she goes to college? Oh, if she has sex before she graduates college, excuse me. And <laughs> Dean says, no... And Kim's like, yeah, of course he didn't. He just saved the lies for me. So Kim gets off of Dean's bed. It's like, ugh, Dad! And she walks out of the room. And then Dean narrates that his parents had equipped him with knowledge that pretty much has prepared him for years and years. And with great knowledge comes great responsibility. Is he telling the kids now, his friends at school, that those magazines were his mom's? And Dean says, or yeah, responsibility to tell my friends <laughs> all that I knew. And Corey's asking Dean, so wait, when do we get our period? Guys, don't get the period! <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> oh no, Corey asks, when are we going to get our periods? And Dean corrects him and says, no, that's only for girls. And Brad asks, how do you know all this? And Dean says, well, my mom told me. And Brad is like, you talk about this stuff with your mom? And Dean's like, yeah. She says that girls like guys that know about this kind of thing. And Dean also adds, and she wants to make sure I'm a good husband one day. And Dean says, I bet you guys didn't know. Girls look at these magazines, too. <laughs> I love how he just wants that information. Like, <laughs> I know something you don't know. And Corey's like, no way. And Dean says, yeah, it's true. Women look at them because the men in there remind them of their husbands. Well, not everyone. That's not a reason, like, every, every lady looks, like, at them. <laughs> so. I have been equipped with knowledge much beyond my years. And with great knowledge comes great responsibility. Responsibility to show my friends how much I knew. Wait, so when are we going to get up here? stuff like so proud to be loaded down with this information that he can kind of you know hold over the guy's heads like I know the stuff I'm so wise and he now wants to use this information to get closer to Kisa let me guess it's gonna backfire and then something's gonna happen Lillian's gonna get a call or a visit from Kisa's mom yeah he says she was gonna learn just how much I knew about women and their urges. <laughs> so we're in the hallway. Kisa shuts her locker. Dean's right there, and he's how oh, he is grinning from ear to ear. He's like, hey, Kisa, you're never going to guess what I found out. 
Oh, they're in the principal's office, and Dean is holding one of those cold compresses to the side of his face. And he says, one thing I didn't know that I would find out just how hard Kisa's right cross was. She basically punched him in the side of the face. Oh, yeah, we get to meet both of Kisa's parents, because they're in the principal's office, too. And how Kisa is side-eyeing Dean, like, you you touch me, you, you even look at me, and you're going to get it in the other side of the face with my fist. Because here comes Lillian. <sighs> Dean's been spreading information around <laughs> that he probably shouldn't have. At least not to her. Oh, this kid. I get it. He's 12, but there's just some things you need to keep to yourself. Like, it's good you have the information, but you don't need to be spreading it around like wildfire. And Lillian's like, Dean, what happened? And he says, well, all I did was tell everybody the stuff you told me. Why would you do that? Why? I get it. You know, you have all this information. You just want to spread it around and show how much you know more than other people about certain things. But not the way to do it. He just looks so, like, disappointed, like, Mrs. Williams. Uh, and just, yeah, and she was, you know, in the pilot episode, when Kim was making out with her boyfriend, I forgot his name already, um, she's worried about Miss Handy the neighbor, like, calling her out for her mothering and stuff like that. And now it's like, now you're being dragged in the principal's office because your son is blabbing about all the information that you told him about women and, you know, urges and looking at these magazines. <sighs> she should have made it clear after the house, like, you don't, please don't spread this around. Don't tell your friends. Just keep it to yourself. So apparently someone caught Dean sharing an awful lot of details with Kisa. So did a teacher walk by and just overheard him just loudly like, and then this happens, and da 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 and da 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 And Lillian says, I just want to let you know that I am very embarrassed by Dean's actions. And then, of course, Kisa's father says, well, that still doesn't change the fact that she had to overhear all that smut, like, smut talk. Like, she can't unhear that. And her father's like, where did she even hear this, Phil? Where did... He, where did Dean even hear this filth? And Lillian is just like, uh, who, who knows? <laughs> you know, boys will be boys. <laughs> and the principal leans forward and says, he claimed he heard it from you. <laughs> Kisa's mom is not saying anything. She's just sitting there. And her dad is just going off the rails like, how are you raising your children? Yeah, he, he continues, her dad continues, not only was she exposed to ears, Kisa puts her hands over ears, and he whispers, sex. Like, Dude, I get it. You should be the one to decide when your child learns about that, not hearing it from other people. But if they do hear it from other people, which maybe it happens, make sure they have the correct information. This also can go along with my... Wonderling words of wisdom for this episode. 
If you find out your kid's getting the wrong information, you want to set them straight and make sure they have the correct information to go out into the world with. And he's like, now my wife has to sit here and hear about this. There's no telling what perversive thoughts are now in Kisa's head. This guy's he's he's going on a tire, a rant. He's like, now my little girl has been exposed. Cause your your boy just wants to pollute her with this this filth and stuff like that. It's like he's raking her over the cold. I'm like my goodness. Yeah, it's like he, he wants to sit there and expose her to things he saw in, and then he tells Kisa to put her ears up, hands over her ears. It's like pornographies. Get it? This guy's very overprotective about his daughter. He wants to protect her innocence and her youth and everything like that. So Dean is just kind of thinking like how he wanted his mom to set this guy straight and explain the things to him that she had explained to Dean. That ain't gonna happen. That it's not dirty. It's it's normal. Yeah, but a parent should be able to decide for their child when is the right time for them to be aware of that stuff or to at least have the knowledge about that stuff. And adult deans, like, oh, some of the women in the uh, middle pages, the ratios, <laughs> the ratios of the middle pages would not have been referred to as normal. <laughs> yeah. And Kisa's father is apologizing to, you know, his wife and daughter. And I'm sorry you had to listen to this stuff. And Dean's thinking, like, get a mom and take, tell him that women look at this stuff, too. And how women like this stuff, too. And Lillian apologizes, like, well, I'm sorry, too. And that's when Dean realized, like, his mom was not going to set this man in his place. Because Kisa's dad was the type of man that... Lillian did not want Dean to turn out to be. And Dean says, as much as the talk that my family had with me isn't nearly as important as the talk that Kisa's family wasn't having with her. The fact that she's not getting the correct information or being known about this. Like, she's basically being kept in the dark and innocent, and is yeah, it's all about you. Know, ver her dad wanted to protect her innocence and her her virtue, like that pornography, that filth. I don't want my daughter to know about it. And Dean says, and in that moment, I was proud to have a membership in Mama's Club. So Lillian says, "How about I take Dean home with me?" And she also adds, "And give him a good long talking to." And the thing is, I mean, if Dean had any interest in Kisa, I mean, you pretty much blew it by doing that because her father is never going to let you anywhere near her at all after this. And Kisa's dad is like, hey, maybe let your husband handle it. And Lillian just says, well, thank you for the advice. Like, hmm, no, I won't take care of it. Didn't expect to find out was how hard Kisa's right cross was. I 
just want to say how embarrassed we are at Dean's actions. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> that doesn't change the fact that my little girl was forced to listen to that smut. Where'd he even hear this filth? Who knows? Boys will be boys. <laughs> he claimed he heard it from you. Thank you. How are you raising your children? Now because of you, not only was my daughter exposed to ears, sex. Now my wife has to sit here and hear about it. There's no telling what perverse thoughts this puts in Keys' mind. She could be scarred for life. All because your little boy wanted to sit and expose her to things he saw in ears. Pornographies. All I wanted was for my mom to set this guy straight. I wanted her to explain to him the same thing she explained to me, that it's not dirty. It's all normal. Well, some of the ratios of the women in the middle pages may not have been normal. I'm sorry you have to sit here and hear all this talk. Get a mama. Tell him how women like this stuff, too. I'm so, so sorry, too. But when mama didn't put him in his place, I began to understand why. Kisa's dad was an example of the type of man my mama didn't want me to be. As awful as I thought my family's talk was, I realized it wasn't nearly as bad as the talk Kisa's family wasn't having. And in that moment, I was so proud to have a membership card in Mama's Club. How about I take Dean home and give him a good long talking to? Maybe let your husband handle it. Thank you for the advice. So now we get the car in front of the school scene, only it's with Dean and his mom. Where Bill was like, hey, let's just keep this between us. We don't need to talk about this. But I think that Lillian is going to have to have a talk with Dean about when it's appropriate to share things and when it's not. Like, you have to be responsible with the information that you're given. But hence the whole thing with the resp comes the responsibility with what you're doing with the information that you're given. And right away she's like, now there's no need to tell your father about all of this. Like, okay, yeah, so we're going in that direction with this. Okay. And Dean asks, really? And then, of course, adult Dean narrates, even sexually liberated women hated hearing from their husbands, I told you so. And Dean narrates, even... For my friends to think I was mature, as great as that feeling was, it was even better that my parents treated me that way, that I was mature. There's a changing of the radio stations, and Lillian's like, don't you be changing that radio station. You ain't grown yet, boy. And she's like, <laughs> and Dean says, yes, ma'am. So Dean's sitting in front of the television with a bowl of popcorn, and then he hears his mom laughing or giggling. So he goes in to find out what that's about. Oh, she's down in the basement with Bill, and they're laughing, and Dean is like, oh no, I caught my parents looking at porn. I don't think they're looking at porn. Maybe they're looking at all those memories of excuse me, Mother's Day and Father's Day cards and birthday cards and this and that. I think that's what they're looking at. And Dean thinks if, like, if this was the Old Testament, we'd all be stoned. And of course, Lillian catches Dean on the stairs. She's like, Dean, what are you doing? And he's like, uh, just staying on a grown folks business. Who told me to? 
Uh, and she's like, no, come on out down here. Look at this. They're looking at, like, a, a photo album. Aw. Yeah, she says, come on down here and look at how handsome your father was on our wedding day. Oh, they're looking at the wedding album. Aw. And Bill says, well, I better have. That suit costs half a Buick. <laughs> so the doorbell rings. And she goes, oh, look at the time. People must already be here. And you see Bill um, tightening in a blue light. So they're having a blue light special party. <laughs> so I think it's Corey's mom that goes up to Lillian and is like, how long has it been since we had one of these parties? And Lillian says, oh, it's been a while. And then Bill comes over and then Coach Wong is like, hey now. Watch it now. You don't want no, no, no more babies. <laughs> so we see inside Dean is looking through the blinds. And then you hear Bill shout, Dean, I'm empty. Like, give me a refill of drinks out here. And Dean is so happy because it's like, I've been called to the big leagues. He's taken on like the same job his older brother had four years ago. Oh, he's mixing a drink for his dad. That's what he's doing. I thought he was, like, filling up a container with, like, ice and extra drinks or something. But, no, he's making Okay, so that's what Bruce was doing, was mixing a drink for his dad. Because it's like, hey, I'm empty. Dean, get me a refill, basically. And Kim comes into the kitchen, and Dean's like, hey, aren't you curious about what they're doing out there? <laughs> My guess is Kim's going to be like, they're not doing nothing I don't already know about. And she says, why? They're grown-ups. Everything they do is boring. <laughs> so, Dean says that, you know, thanks to the talk that his mom had given him and stuff like that, growing up, he realized he would not become an adult with his head in the sand like he's his dad. That he, he would grow up to be a good and caring partner and a good husband and a good father to his kids and whatnot yeah he says i thanks to them i would grow up to be a tender caring man like mama wanted oh and dean adds and also as it turned out someone her future daughter-in-law appreciated too and that's how the episode ends on bill and lily and dancing at the blue light special party in the backyard oh this was a cute episode. I really, I liked it. I thought it was funny. There are things that I did it, it did that I didn't expect it to do. But it, it just, wow. Really, really good. I Like I said, I am excited. I mean, this is the third episode. I'm excited to see what episodes four and five have in store. As far as the Wonderling Words of Wisdom, like I said earlier, just make sure that your kids have the facts and that they know what to do with the information that they're given. Don't go spreading it around and trying to impress your friends with all this new knowledge because it's the parents' responsibility to talk to their kids, you know, and set them straight on, you know, possible rumors, you know, schoolyard talk and everything like that. And also for, for kids, just take the, take the information and do with it what you will. I mean, it's a lot to take in. You know, at that point, you're not a little kid anymore. So your parents clearly feel that you can be responsible enough not only to hear the information, but to 
use it wisely. <laughs> I gotta say, though, I do, I, for not so much best outfit of the episode, but best wardrobe, I definitely, I really like what Lillian, you know, her wardrobe is really, really nice. And I, I gotta say, I liked Dean and his dad in Dean's little fantasy world of he and his dad at that gentleman's type club or whatever with wearing like the suits and the hats. I thought that was cute too. So <laughs> uh, worst outfit. Oh, don't really have one. So, all right. So I thought depending on the episode, I really <laughs> would like to share some little sound clips from the original Wonder Years, as long as it kind of, you know, kind of a compare, can, not so much contrast, but just kind of, you know, compare, like, okay, this is how this show is doing it. Let's take a look back at the Wonder Years in this particular similar, similar situation. Like, I want to do the part where Norma finds out about the everything you ever wanted to know about sex but were afraid to ask book. This is from Season 1, Episode 2, Swingers, of the original Wonder Years episode, which aired March 22nd, 1988. Yeah, you're not taking that book with you.
So yeah, I decided to play that whole scene from the time that Paul and Kevin go into his room and <laughs> find out the book is missing because they shoved it just right under the corner of the end of the mattress there. Ugh, gosh. And of course Wayne had it and he's going, the way that, I mean, I've never seen this book, but I guess it has illustrations, kind of like the joys of sex. He's like, the way that Wayne is going through this book, you think he got a book on Kama Sutra. He's like, oh, wow, I think you'll really <laughs> like this. I think Wayne would definitely like this. Dude, you're talking about your 12-year-old brother and his 12-year-old crush slash future girlfriend, whatever. They're children. But anyway... <laughs> And just after having watched the club episode and then, you know, seeing this one and just seeing how television has changed so much from 1988 to 2021, same time periods, different states, you know, different races, but even still, it's still the same situation. Whether it's a book on sex or pornography magazines. No way in 1988 would they have attempted the situation with Norma. Like, oh, Kevin found pornography magazines. Well, they're not Wayne's. Whose could they be? They're not Jack's. Whose could they be? No way. The way that Norma was just... The way that she looked at this book just sitting there on the floor. And the thing is, we didn't know that she, she thought that was her copy. She's like, oh, my God. The way, it's just, she, I think it was more of like, oh, my God. They got into my dresser drawer. Kevin got into my dresser drawer and went into my bedroom, into my private area, and took out this book. And I don't think it's so much about her feeling like she has to have a conversation about this with Kevin. And she even says, it's not so much that you're reading this, but it's more of the fact of you went into my personal space and took something that didn't belong to you. Something that I honestly feel, I don't know. I, like I said, I don't know what went on behind closed doors with Jack and Norma. But part of me, a very small part, or a big part, feels, I don't even think Jack knew she had that book. I think that was more her reading 
and just you know gaining information and insight like okay what else could we you know i incorporate in the bedroom to kind of put a spark back into our our lovemaking you know in in our marriage and stuff like that so and just i mean lillian just saying those aren't your father's they're actually mine and she was a little nervous as she said but she wanted to be forthright with dean about that like i know what you're thinking but you're wrong and the fact that she even pointed out I understand the feelings that you're feeling when you're looking at these images. Because he's like, I can't even get these pictures out of my head. It's like once they're there, they're like burned into your, into your mind and you can't. But the fact that she wanted him to know, like, I understand kind of what you're going through, what you're thinking when you're looking at Because, you know, I look at them myself and and everything and it just I like that she wanted to give him the information and she was not I mean maybe she was a tad, a tad embarrassed because you know he found those magazines and she probably hasn't looked at them like it's been so long she probably even forgot that they were there but she, you know she just wanted to you know hey I, I look at those that those those are mine they're you know saying that Sure, you know, teens do that stuff, but adults also are just as human as teenagers, and they're feeling the same exact things. Like, yeah, this doesn't go away. This isn't just something that teenagers do. Adults do it themselves, but for very different reasons. You know, as she said, you know, her husband was on the road with his band. She missed him. There, You know, and sometimes you got to do a little something-something to, you know, the urges at bay, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but I just, I think it's just so interesting being the same time periods, but two totally different people coming at this subject from two very different points of view. And I think both, for both time periods, for the time period that the shows are set in, in 1968, and for the times that these shows aired in 1988 and, nine, and uh, 2021, both were handled very, very delicately, the best of, and you see, like, television now has a little bit more leeway with certain things, whereas, like, in the show, Coach Long said, you know, fuck, but it's, like, bleeped, but to the point where you can still hear the undertone of the swear, you know, uh, of the F-bomb, so... I just, I think it's amazing just what you can do, you know, umpteen 30-some years later, what you couldn't do in 1988 for television. Bringing up that show, Seventh Heaven, there was an episode about one of the, if you're aware of Seventh Heaven, the Camden family, the middle... Um, youngest until the two twins came out, boys came along. Simon, there was an episode where he had something in his wallet, and no one would flat out say what the fuck it was, but you kind of figured it's something in his wallet. And then, and the way that people react, it's like, 
when they're opening his Simon's wallet, somehow it got in the laundry or whatever, and they're like acting like, ah, ah, don't touch it, don't touch it, it's evil. And then at the end, the dad confronts Simon and says, what are you doing with a condom in your wallet? And then, of course, the one guy who's staying with the family is like, oh, I gave it to him. So that way, you know, being that he's in a situation, you know, with a girl and he wanted to use it, he would have that protection. But the way that the show handled it was just like with bubble wrapped kid gloves. It's, I, I mean, I, I understand that that show in mine was a family show, but they tried to hit certain issues, but it's like they handled it with bubble wraps and duct taped gloves. So just barely a hint of what they're talking about. If you read between the lines that have been the words scribbled out by the line, you know what I mean? Ugh, oh my God. I just, it was too, and the thing is, that show was on the WB, and I think, didn't it also join the CW network at some point? So that show was up against other shows like One Tree Hill, Everwood, that are talking and showing, to a degree, teen sexuality. But for whatever f reason, Seventh Heaven handled it like it was the biggest hot button issue in the world. I don't know. I'm just, it irritates me. I like this, just, this episode of the new Wonder Years, it was a prime example of you know your family's going to sit down and watch. If you have older kids that are preteens or curious and stuff, this is a great opportunity to show that parents can have these conversations with their children. Yes, it's awkward. Yes, it's probably embarrassing, but it's a conversation that needs to happen. So, like I said, kids have the facts. They go out in the world and they do what they will with them. But at least they're prepared with the knowledge that they have. All right, let's take a look at the two episodes. My phone cord is getting stuck between my two toes. My two toes. <laughs> oh my goodness sake! I swear. It is a really overcast day today. I just, those days are just dreary and the kind that either make you want to just stay in bed or just, you know, read. So, let's see here. Here we go. The New Wonder Years. So, episodes four and five for next week. Season one, episode four, The Workplace, aired, uh, Workplace aired October 13th, 2021. In this episode, Dean heads to band practice with Bill, but the grown folks' business at the music studio prompts Lillian to pick Dean up. Dean learns what his mom does while he's at school all day. Okay, yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to that one. Season 1, Episode 5, The Lock-In. Dean is reluctant to attend the annual church lock-in until Kim tells him it's where she got her first kiss. Then he enlists his friends to help him pair up with Kisa. And we do see this boy that looks like he's going to be a regular character going forward because I've seen his... Uh, I've seen his... Picture, um, he plays Norman, played by Caleb Black. We also see Hampton again. Let's see who else. Brad and Corey. 
whoops, oops, 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 sorry about that. Um, we also see, about time we get to see some other girls alongside Kisa, like her friends. Like, we have Madison, also Brooke, playing Margaret. We, we have KCJ Bradley playing Tammy. We have Frank Oakley, the third, playing Pastor Relaford. Let's see. We have Milan Marsh playing Charlene. Oh, that's funny because M Milan Ray plays Kisa and another Milan. Oh, that's cool. Cool, cool, cool. So, yeah, the, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, these two episodes. And I really, I'm curious, like, we don't know. Like, what is Lillian? I mean, other than being, a you know, a housewife and cooking and stuff, she does have a job. So, I'm looking forward to kind of seeing, you know, what she does with her, her job. Because she mentioned, you know, promotion and more hours and stuff. And I thought she also works with, you know, Coach long doing stuff too like they work in the same like maybe in the um academic i don't know i don't know i'm curious about that so all right so next week i will be doing episodes three or episodes four and five after that i'm actually going to switch to individual episodes going forward so i mapped it out so the christmas episode should be released the week of Christmas on that Wednesday. So look forward to that. And then that way I can go forward with the episodes singular. I just wanted to kind of, you know, get caught up a little bit. Since the show has been on for not quite two months. Almost two months. So, yeah. Alright, I hope you guys enjoyed these episodes just like I did. Fun, fun time. <laughs> If you want to email the podcast, you can do so at lbomwonderyearspodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to leave a review for the podcast, you can do so. Just go to iTunes, look up The Wonder Years or Wonder Years. The Looking Back on My Wonder Years or Wonder Years podcast will pop up. Just scroll down to where it says leave a review and leave a review. You can use emojis if you want and have fun with it. So... All right, everyone, have a great Wednesday and have a great rest of the week. Bye-bye.